I can. Can you hear wow, me? Wow, I can. Two for two. Yeah, who would have thought? Now, if we can get these other two mokes in here. I don't know if you know this. I happen to be a very busy individual. I never seem to have enough time for anything. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing that I can spend so much time doing so little. I know, right? And having nothing to show for. Back to the bin. What's going on? Same shit, different day. I went back. I have to a work. very, very detailed research list on how I'm doing. Oh, I do. Oh, yours is on legal on a legal pad, like a lawyer. That's mine's right. On a, I, mine's on a, mine is on a ripped open envelope. <laughs> I can tell you put a lot of thought into that. Did, I, I did you write it? Did you write it while you were sitting in the john? I hope <laughs> that so. Would, that would make it even better, but no, I uh, I wrote it while sitting in my living room watching TV. <laughs> you could lie and make us all feel better. <laughs> I don't know why you'd feel better about that. I don't know either. I don't know. So what have you been up to? Well, we're back, you know, the, the weekend is uh, over. Back to work today. But... We are getting to the point where the time it will take me to retire is almost equal to the amount of time it takes to gestate a baby. Oh, God, I hate you. <laughs> I, can't, I so can't wait, I tell you. Uh, I can't imagine why you want to retire. Well, let's look at it this way. I happen to be about 10 years older than you. I know, but... So... So, you know, uh, when I started working at my current job, you would have been a youngin. Because <laughs> at the end of this month, I will be there 30 years. And that isn't when I started working. That's just when I started working in this job. I would have been in the uh, district attorney's office. 30 years ago? Mm-hmm. 93, I started. Right. Uh, yeah, September of ninety. No, nope, ninety four. So <laughs> I was still working for the bank. Ninety three. No. Uh, those the, those dulcet tones. <laughs> it sounds like the guy who kept us waiting. It's one oh, of the two guys who kept us waiting. I don't see Scott. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought it was him. To be honest with you. You thought he was going. <laughs> My head hurts. I just re-listened to the Christmas episode. That an intro still cracks me up. Which, oh, the, what, what was the, I don't even remember what the intro was. He made me rush up here and he's not on the machine. What <laughs> uh, and I, and I, yeah, I had, I, be, I bleeped out a lot there, right? I that made I, it I, even funnier. It, well, having learned from Scott and Bill, I think I bleeped out some points when you weren't even cursing. <laughs> just like if it sounded like you might have been cursing i bleeped it 
How are you, Doc? Ah, <clears throat> uh, I'm all right. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. Good. Come on, Scott. Let's go. Scott. Where be you, Scott? All right, well, I got blah, 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 blah. I'm out. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. <laughs> wow. And interjection starts a sentence right. Interjection shows excitement or emotion. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's why well, kids today don't know anything. Or by Feelings not as strong. Hooray, I'm for the other team. So when you're happy, hooray, or sad, oh, uh, excited, or, or no, 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 oh. or frightened, eek, or glad, wow, <laughs> and interjection starts the sentence rise. <laughs> All right, well, we, kids, that, kids were, we, were, were deprived of, uh, whatchamacallit, the uh, schoolhouse rock. I bought those on DVD for my kids. I got, I had that on, uh, I think, videotapes. I don't think we I had it, it on YouTube. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we're we, busy right now. Can we you hear you. On? We hear. We hear you, We hear you, Jesus Christ! Answer somebody. We're, we're trying to figure out how to change doesn't our he sound like? Doesn't he sound like an old Harrison Ford there? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ! All right. All right. That's enough. That's enough of this round. This is bullshit. Got a episode 600 to record. Oh, such foul language. Is this not family friendly? Hey, I'm pretty. I'm pretty proud of the fact that we've made we've made it to 600. 600 plus. You're welcome. What are you, the rock? You're welcome. Oh, this this show would have pod faded five to ten years ago, please. Probably. If I, if I wasn't here to kick some ass and, and chew bubblegum. <sighs> Drinking some Diet Mountain Dew? <sighs> you know what? It wouldn't huh. be episode 600 if there wasn't some Diet Mountain Dew involved. This is true. It wouldn't be any day of the week if there wasn't some time to do the ball. <laughs> and, ah. while Bill, and, and while Bill goes into a diabetic coma, we'll start episode 600. Hello, everybody, and welcome hey, my to wife episode... What? 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 My wife just sneaked in. She's going for some cheese. Oh, wait, she's going for a bot. Oh, no, she is going for cheese. And, and it, if I was Bugs Bunny, I'd be saying, have some cheese, rat. <laughs> <laughs> and just like that, she's gone. On with the show. This is it. Sorry to interrupt, but if you know, I'm Billis Interruptus. You are Billius Interruptus. It's and then then you gotta follow it up with Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta fart. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 600 of Back to the Bins. Six. Hundred. I'll say that one more time. No, I won't say it again because you're not all stupid. You know what number I just said. I can't believe we've gotten this far. And when you when you add in the episodes that we counted 
uh, as Avengers spotlights or bonus episodes and all of that. We're probably much closer to 700, but since I wasn't here for the first 80 some odd episodes, they don't count anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But I got to tell you, when, when I started doing this with you, some, I don't know, 13 years ago now, something like that, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever it was, I did not envision it lasting this long. (laughs) And there have been times, I have to say, there have been times where I thought, it's time for me to pod fade. And yet I keep coming back. No matter how many times I think I'm out, they keep pulling me back in. (laughs) And and I don't, I, I see myself having the desire to pod fade in the coming months or years but I don't see myself doing it anytime soon. You are, still... you are the rock. But it's like every time I think, okay, you know, I've said what I have to say. And it's too much of a pain in the butt to, to get everybody together and get this done and edit it and put it up. We start to do something that gets me excited. And then I say, you know what? I want to do this some more. So good on you guys for keeping me engaged. Thank you for that. And what is the closest you've come to packing it in? Oh, there were times where we were signing in, and I was thinking, I'm going to tell you guys I'm done. It's 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 come that close. Mm. And then we'd start laughing about something. I would think, you know what? I'm not done. <laughs> so, and now, as as retirement looms before me, it makes this seem like even more fun because I won't have to squeeze it in with my work day. Ah, there you go. So, we will see. I have nine... Nine and a half more months for that, so we'll see how that works out. Then you'll be getting texts saying, "Oh, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Anyone available?" Oh yeah, we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna start recording in the afternoons. That's a good some of us have jobs because I'm gonna be going to sleep around seven thirty every night. It's late. I gotta get to sleep. It's almost six o'clock. I've I've already had the early bird special. And I'm tired. My head hurts. <laughs> if you get there at four, you get the free soup. Yeah, we got a shout out on the. Uh, on the, uh, the Facebook page. Yeah, was it Jeffrey Arnold or anyway? He said his wife. I think it was his wife. His wife said had her head hurt. Her here was. <laughs> you know, you know what? What the beauty of that is, we're laughing at his wife's pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we and, get too ahead so of ourselves, he. I mean, I I know we're at we're at, this is episode six hundred, but you know, with, with from the Stanley School of every episode, maybe somebody's first. I think we need to introduce everybody, right? All right. So everybody introduce themselves on a count of three at the exact same Wait, time. No. <laughs> everybody introduce somebody else. Okay. I'm here I'm... with David Pascarella. And I'm here with Dr. Bill Robinson. And I'm here with Scott Horatio Gardner. And I'm here with Alatosis. <laughs> <laughs> and Green Lantern. What is this, the Brady Bunch, Dave? You like pointed to the <laughs> to the picture above, and yes, I was like, "Oh wait, that was funny." I'm like, "That's me." Da, 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 da. Here's a story <laughs> of a man named David who was <laughs> podcasting with three freaky guys. You see, now that's none of that... them had hair of gold, <laughs> except <laughs> for Scott. <laughs> you could see it in his eyes. I was gonna say you could oh. see it when he's in the sun. Oh. The reflection. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I kind of gave you my my quick thoughts about what's going on in the last few years. 
how about you guys? How do you feel? Like, did you envision this going? You know, what what did you see? What are you thinking? Well, I, I was I was really glad you you brought the show in that way because I, I was kind of thinking about this on my on my drive home. Um, you know what? It made my I, head I was, hurt. <laughs> I wasn't really sure. You know what? What all we were gonna just? I mean, I know what the topic of the episode is, but you know, I didn't know if we were really gonna talk much about the lead up to six hundred or whatever, or make you know a big deal out of it. But it is a big deal. I mean, it's it's more than two true freaks proper ever got you know we we kind of pod faded with two true freaks proper not long after episode 500 um a lot of the reason that this show has continued um is due to paul i mean he he really you know you paul you just kind of took the reins uh not long after you came in and and made the show happen and and keep it happening um, you do the bulk of of the editing. You do the bulk of the uh, the wrangling. You know to to get us to to get together to get episodes out. Um, and you know even though I I'm the one that's been here the longest. I mean, uh, I was kind of shocked when uh, when Gene started keeping track of the numbers and everything. And there's I mean there's a, a lot of episodes I haven't been here for. Um, I think last i i knew anyway i think you pretty much hold the record for the one that's you know that's made it to the most episodes so you know in a lot of ways it, it became your show over time so i mean kudos to you because it, it, it you're probably right it probably would have pod faded or or mutated into something different or what i don't know that i'd necessarily still be here doing it i i've had the same temp <clears throat> excuse me the temptation that you talked about with you know just saying well maybe it's time to uh, announce but I, at this point you know i'm down to pretty much just doing this show and i'm not ready to to stop podcasting altogether and the you know the beauty of this show is that while we can make it complicated we can have involved episodes that require a lot of homework and a lot of reading and a lot of you know wrangling of people and stuff like that at the end of the day it is a pretty simple show at least in its concept we you know, when we do the basic show it's basically just read a funny book and bring it to the show and talk about it and and that's kind of the beauty of the show that that's the thing i think that keeps us all involved in it is that you know, it is fun and, you know, not to, you know, not to get terribly maudlin or whatever, but, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, what, what did I really want to say about the show? It basically comes down to, I mean, I really do believe, you know, we have the best show with the best crew, with the best rapport of any show that I'm aware of, you know, we're, we're all good friends in real life and this is how we get to hang out the bulk of the time. And I think that's reflected in our listenership and the things that people say to us, you know, when they write to us or when we meet them in real life and everything. And it's always some variation of, I, I just like listening to you guys because it's like hanging out with friends, talking about the same shit we talk about when we hang out. And I think when you can do a show that boils down to that and, and do it well, um, yeah, you know, I just I I think that's the magic of podcasting right there, and that's really that's what this show boils down to is, you know, we we've been very successful with making folks feel comfortable 
because we're comfortable with each other and, and just hanging out and just shooting the shit. So yeah, I, I'm not ready to quit anytime soon. There's still, you know, for all the episodes we've done and, you know, I've got so many more episodes beyond, you know, back to the bins with other shows that I've done over time, even with all that, I'm still constantly reminded of all the comics out there and all the subjects that there are that, you know, we've never really touched on or haven't touched on enough. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this show can continue for a long, long time, whether, whether with me or without me, but, you know, I hope the show continues. And that's kind of the neat thing is, you know, I was also thinking about how the show has changed a lot over the years, just as far as the people that have, that have come and gone. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of, um, hosts and guest hosts and just guests over the years. I mean, a lot of people, um, but I like where we're at now. I think we've basically boiled it down to th- this is the crew right here, in my opinion. And I-, I think we're at, we're at the best point we've ever been. I honestly believe that. So, yeah. So kudos to us for 600. The best of the best of the best, sir. There you go. Yeah, well, it's been a lot of fun. After all, th- this show is my intro to podcasting. The first podcast I ever did was uh, when Paul and I met up at Comic-Con way back when. You had <laughs> Dario and I come on, Dario Gonzalez, to discuss it. Until that point, I had no idea how to do this. I had a someone from my old job show me how to go up. The Skype Skype device, which you speak of. The Skype machine. The Skype machine. What did we determine? That was, what, 10 years ago? At least. <laughs> Give or take. And, and, I, and I, I met that day, I met for the first time in person you, as well as uh, the prettiest Back to the Bins host. <laughs> right. <laughs> who, who was just a young lady at the time. Now she's an adult. Right. How did that happen? I was going to yeah. say I wasn't there. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- think about that, Bill. <laughs> so when Scott uh, brought Bill on to replace me on the show, that made me nervous. What? He didn't bring me on to replace you. <laughs> that was my fear. <laughs> you guys were bad. <laughs> we, I was on know, the road. At the time, I was still kind of new to the show, and Scott was like, oh, I'm going to bring my friend on tonight, my friend, this guy, Bill. And I thought, okay, that's it. He's already replacing me. <laughs> that replace succeed. Well, little did I know that within a couple of weeks, Scott would, like, become invisible for a while, and it would just be me and Bill doing the show for quite some time. <laughs> what episode did you come in on, Paul? 80 it was 86, I think it was. Wow. Did, what was I in at 93 or 94? I was somewhere in the 90s. Some that you came in before episode 100. I know that. I remember Bill's first book. I don't remember yours. Do you remember what yours was, or was it just a shoot the shit episode? I can't remember. My first episode was a shoot the shit episode. And then my first book, though, was Giant Size Avengers number three. Uh, Bill's okay. first book was was Iron Man number 150. Iron Man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I was that. all nervous. Oh, Dave's first book, I couldn't tell you for the life of me. G.I. <laughs> Joe, prob- number five. I was going to say, I was going to say it was probably a war book. <laughs> <clears throat> My first book, um, it had to be episode one, I'm thinking, I, I think. But it was. Uh, Wasn't it an Avengers Aven- giveaway? It was. It was an Avengers giveaway. It was the Sugar Daddy giveaway. You, you had to you had to save up Sugar Daddy wrappers and send them in. And it was during the the jacket era when they were all wearing the the blue mm. like blue jackets. It wasn't bad. It was it was a decent little book. But uh, yeah, it it was a nice little foreshadowing of the weird shit that I would bring over the years. <laughs> yeah, well, I I do remember like. Because I wasn't on board with the first episode. Uh, I came on board. By the time I came on board, I think you were just doing it with Mike. Mike right. Bailey, that is. Uh, right. And then I went back and listened to the older episodes much later. So uh, yeah, I have listened to every episode of the show that I wasn't on, for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, this was this was before I was on it. This was my favorite show. Aww. And so, it you know, it made it more special to come on it and then to become part of it now that he's but, on it eh. <laughs> well you know it it, it kind of it kind of had was it was it was teetering on the pod fade at the point when i came on it so then i just kept poking scott we're we gonna record we're we gonna record we're we gonna record and he would be like all right well freaking record leave me alone <laughs> i can't take it anymore well, I mean, until, at until, that time, I, I needed that that kick in the ass because you're right. It, yeah, at that time, it probably would have gone the way of all the other projects I was working on because there was just there was a lot of s- stuff going on behind the scenes in my life and everything. And I just, yeah, my my interest had waned and things were going on and and that sort of thing. But I, I'm glad I'm glad this survived because you know I miss the other projects I've you know I was working on and everything. Um, but you know, obviously I haven't missed them enough to where I've picked up any of them back up. This, this one would have, this one would have been a tough blow. Cause I really, I enjoy doing this show. It's, it's well, just, it's just fun is what it comes down to. It's just fun. I like the nature of it. You know, I, I like, but as, just... as you are well aware, if you decide to revisit your Jonah Hex love or your got a few things to say about Superman love, they can always be done as episodes of the show at this point. Right. You, right. you don't have to revive those series so much. Right. Yeah. And I, I think about doing that quite often actually. So yeah, it's funny you say that. I was thinking that very thing today that it's, it's been way too long since I've uh, done either of those and I'm kind of overdue to do, you know, something touching on those, uh, on those titles again. Wow, Jonah Hex is like 14 years ago. I know. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, Bill, yeah, you, I, haven't, you, have, you haven't chimed in about your first thoughts when you, uh, when you, when you got shanghai to join us. Well, to, to, to quote the great Lex Luthor, I never thought this would go to distance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you guys shanghaied me while I was on the road working for a company, doing my shows in a bathrobe with my smelling salts and uh, rubbing lotions in a in a in a in an empty hotel room with a laptop. It's, it's a little bit of a frightening thought of you and your <laughs> lotions. <laughs> 
thankfully it, it was an audio podcast. <laughs> did how long did it take you to say, okay, I'm a regular on this show, I'm gonna keep doing it? Oh, I I well I, maybe when I finally learned how to do a synopsis, I guess that that wasn't just a complete retelling panel by panel of the book. <laughs> And then this happened. And then Ben Khan says <laughs> Khan turns and slowly makes his way. Uh, uh, we've we've gone a long way on the synopsis as well, from the pre-canned reading to the off the top of your head to the you know carefully written out with jokes embedded within uh, synopsis. So I mean we, we go the whole gamut on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's just been fun. I know I've said this before, uh, and, and it's the reality of it is, uh, when my wife sees that I'm stressed about something, she'll often say, why don't you, why don't you call up the guys and see if you can get on, uh, on Skype? Cause she's seen me do this enough times where I'm laughing and she knows that it's, it's a form of relieving stress. What she's really saying is, get the hell away from me. No, nah, not at all. I mean, so, you know, as much as much as that's, it's tempting to claim that she she really isn't. But, but it it is, and that I think that's the reason why, even though I've been tempted too many times, that's why I've never said, "Hey, I'm done," because I know this is a form of stress relief for me, and I do enjoy it. And to be totally honest, if we if we did away with it. I would miss having this outlet of being able to speak to you guys this regularly. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the bonus beyond that is we have a loyal listenership and not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think they can find shows where they talk about old comics all over the internet. And I think the reason that they listen is because we do expose our personalities and we do get along so well and we joke so much that it is it does feel like sitting you know at a bar stool with your friends and and hanging out and talking about this stuff and i think that's the appeal of the show at least i certainly hope it is and i know when i've had exposure to the people who listen to the show i don't think there's ever been an experience where i had real exposure to anybody and it wasn't a rewarding thing Mm -hmm. so for that reason I'm sticking around whether you like it or not. Now get your asses yeah. into the recording booth and let's go. <laughs> hey, we're already working on a new Avengers Spotlight pro- project that will not be out yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, we did the first episode of the latest story arc that we're doing. Uh, we've recorded that already. Yeah, and it's uh, actually in 2001. Or ish, right? Isn't it 2001? Is that the uh, it was, that it was in the early, issue? Yeah, it was in definitely in the early 2000s. I yeah. don't know if it was 2001 or I think it was, but I couldn't even tell you for certain. I can look because I still on my desktop. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. So, oh. so just to yep, kind of move us to our topic of the day, uh, because we've lasted so much longer than any of us anticipated that we would. We decided to do a freaky five of things that did not last nearly as long as we would have liked them to. Uh, 
things that faded too early. Uh, and by things, I mean comic series. Oh, I thought and, you uh, meant eight-track tapes. I, t- I thought you meant me. Uh, I thought you meant my sex life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, what, what, are the, what, are, what are the two words that you say to end an, a, a sex life? I do. <laughs> I love the dad jokes. Oh yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so so we each have. I mean, I, I and I'm sure we all have some honorable mentions, but we each have oh, yes. our freaky fives of series that just did not last long enough in our opinions. We tried to put together some criteria for how to do this, uh, and I really thought it was best to just kind of leave it up to all of the individuals to do what they wanted to. Uh, what I didn't want. And I hope we didn't get, but I can't say because we haven't compared notes. I didn't want, well, this creative team came on and then they left and I didn't like the book anymore. Oh, no, I got none of that. No. That That's what made this challenging because it could have easily been that. But uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll wait till it's my time to explain my criteria on this. But yeah, no, I don't I don't have anything like that. So, yeah, I. Uh, I think if that was the criteria, then it would be a freaky five of our favorite runs of creator teams, which may not be a right. big freaky well, five yeah. to do at some point. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I would like to propose our next one because the, the this <laughs> idea five series in... that lasted way too long. <laughs> well, mm. sort almost. It's it's more uh, the the way I wrote it down was the top five titles that it broke your heart to drop. Like if there was something that you were really invested in. You collected it for a long time, whatever the, the the thing was, but it just got to the breaking point for you for whatever reason. Like it, the book just started to suck, or it became too expensive, or it became too convoluted, or whatever. All the above. But, but yeah, just you know, right, five yeah. the top five titles that that you hated to drop them, but you did. That and, sounds and, doable. And why, basically? But yeah. So I guess we could get started now. Anybody want to lead us off? Sure, I'll I'll jump in. And I think Scott's going to like this one. Anybody but Bill want to jump in? <sighs> oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Bill. So Scott remembers, will remember this game, but it was also a comic, and that's Freedom Force. Oh, yeah. I, I, as far as I know, there was only six issues, and I'm still looking for number four. But, uh, man, I love that game. And then they had a sequel to it, too. I need to go back and find that and just replay it because it was it was – it was it was done in like a Jack Kirby style art. Yes. And yep. um Paul, Dave, have you ever played played uh Freedom Force? Be, oh, and plus it's done in like a 60 style book. No, I, I never, have I never not. Oh never yeah. And then there was people that did mods for it, and I played all all the mods. There was an like an Iron Man mod that they did in like yeah. seven episodes and and you know, that was after the game was out. But, but yeah, for, because you could run around a city and you could basically smash and destroy anything. Yep. You know, you, you could That's pick right, up a Scott telephone, Sally. you could pick up a telephone pole and whack, whack the villains, you know, and there was like minions that came at you and you, you know, you had different yep. characters. It, it was, it was a great game and I liked the book and I wish the book had, you know, it was like a six issue. I want to say it was image. I don't remember top of my head so give me a second and i'll I'll do a search here because i know i had well i I got it my app here in clz because that's that that was what paul Paul was like 
just open up CLZ and look through. I was like, oh yeah, duh. <laughs> that would be real easy. Yeah, go to I may F. not have them in my database because I was buying them. I, I really hope my oldest son is listening to this episode because I was buying those comics for him. Um, he and I played that game a lot when he was little, and uh, we both loved that game. But uh, that's where he really got into doing mods because ah. uh, there were a lot of mods available for that game, but there were also a lot of mod tools. And so we both got into like both creating our own characters, but there were a lot of um, character models where you could just download them and somebody had already created them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they had like the Legion of Superheroes. I mean, a- you know, basically any popular character you could think of somebody had had already created those so we ended up creating a lot of our own unique characters as well but the best way i could describe that game is imagine being able to play um episodes of the old marvel superhero show like the one with kind Mm -hmm. of the stiff animation and that's kind of not that the animation was stiff in the game but that's kind of the world you were operating in is the early lee kirby marvel universe of like the early 60s that was the feel of the freedom force universe well and all the characters were kind of thinly disguised versions of you know the popular marvel characters. so you had cap and you had submariner and you had you know iron man and that sort of thing and yeah cap was was, cap was minute man minute man yeah that that game was a freaking blast man i loved that game and I, i was really sorry that it didn't I think it did well, but in a, in a niche kind of way. I mean, it did well enough that it got a sequel, but then after the the sequel, it just kind of disappeared. I never really heard anything more about it. But the people that I know that you know that I've talked to that had ever played it, yeah, they're they're all really passionate. That yeah, it was a great game. Well, the comic came. The comic was by Image, and it came out in two thousand five. Yeah. So, I imagine the game was. A few years before that or right at that time i, yeah, I know had... that we never had all six issues it was one of those even though it was from a a, par- a fairly popular um indie company for for whatever reason it was it, w- it was think, by image yeah i i so, think yeah. the the um the publishing frequency was weird or something Maybe, yeah. On that. But yeah, I just remember it being really difficult to find issues of that. And I don't think we ever had more than two or three, maybe four at most. But I know we definitely did not have the entire series. And it kind of right. loosely adapted the game, if I remember right. I, I don't think it was a unique story. I think it was basically telling the the underlying plot of the game, as I recall. Do, uh, do you remember that? It's been so long since I read it. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, like some of the characters, like Manbot was a character which would be close to Iron Man, Minuteman, yeah. Sea Urchin, Alchemist, the Ant. Yeah, the uh, Ant. The Ant was awesome. He was kind of he was kind of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a really that was a great game. I don't I don't really remember the comic all that well. I, I remember, you know, picking it up just because you know we really liked the the game and everything. I. I'm struggling to remember if I really ever read it because I, I, like I said, I was really buying it for Scotty more than anything. Mm. Um, Now's the time. The... 
have to dig it out maybe we'll have it for an episode of bins at some point yeah yeah i'd I'd definitely like to play that game again i still have both uh both versions you know both games so yeah you got it on disc yeah oh yeah do you have to have a code for it because i need to borrow that from you um I don't remember if that had a yeah, code. Even if not. you need a code, I'm sure. I'm sure I still have the code. You know, I'm oh, sure it's been it's so long. Things, so, yeah. <sighs> so, and anyway, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if the second or if, yeah, if the second game. The second game was Freedom Force versus the Third Reich. I think was the name of the second one. Something like that. And that one, I think, actually took place in World War II, whereas the other one, I think, was supposed to be. Wasn't there time travel? I think it was supposed to be in the sixties. Yeah, I think it. Now that you say that, I, yeah, that does sound right. I was thinking it was a prequel, but no, I think you're right. I think it was. I think it was time travel, but I don't know if the second game ever had one of those Prima guides. But I know the first game did. I I have it around here somewhere. But yeah. All right. Well, that's that's my first. Next up. All right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go next. Uh, and I'm going to say this one because I think it's going to be on Scott's list, so I'm going to beat him to it. Uh, All-Star Comics. Ah. Oh, <laughs> I beat somebody to it. <laughs> that was the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, it's as, as a huge Marvel fan, it's the only DC that's in my top five. Um, I've always been, as we've talked about, a sucker for the JSA. And I remember picking it up when it when it first came out, you know, with issue 58 and seeing, you know, the, the different makeup on Robin, you know, the different costume and all. Uh, Power Girl being a, a variant on, on Supergirl. And then just the old time JSA heroes who were, you know, they were the senior players at that time, just like, you know, in, in the way that I want them to be, not 75, 80-year-old heroes, but, you know, 40-something-year-old heroes who are interacting with the 20-something-year-old heroes and, and you know, just being the senior circuit. And they did it that way because you, you had Robin and Power Girl and, and what was it, Star Boy uh, or the Star Spangled Star, Kid. Star Spangled Kid, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they, they were, they were uh, what was it, they, they were not part of the justice society they were the uh the super squad super squad yeah and and i just thought it was really cool i enjoyed that series immensely now when it ended you know it it, they picked up with issue 58 they went through issue 74 when it ended they they went over to uh adventure adventure comics for for a short time but it never picked up again really the right way now i have to say that you know that in with that in mind uh you know with the exception of the new 52 version of it i don't think i've ever read a justice society series that i didn't like with with that one notable exception um but this one had a feel to it that once they canceled it i didn't feel they recovered that feel again so you know i kind of felt lost at that point and it was the end of the series so it's not just a creative team that, you know, that left me. Uh, it's just, you know, I, I can't give enough praise to the series. And it's another part, you know, we talked about getting into the podcasting thing. You know, I was listening regularly to Scott and Mike doing, uh, you know, the All-Star or the, the Justice Society uh, podcast and, and, you know, getting totally into it. And, you know, it, it's just very, very nostalgic for me. And it's a series that I loved. I'm right there with you. 
Yeah. That was yeah. on my <laughs> list. Well, you know, just move up one of your uh, honorable mentions. <clears throat> Who wants well, to go I'll, next? I'll go next. My choice is from 1979, Battlestar Galactica from Ooh. Marvel Comics. That was almost one of mine, too. It was a little cheesy. It was kind of like the Star Wars comics of the time. But I enjoyed it. I, I was a soft mark for Battlestar Galactica. I enjoyed the hell out of that, you know, see, series. I mean, it only, you know, as a kid, then you see it in reruns, you think it lasted for quite Forever. some time, and it's one season, really. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than when it got to Earth, Galactica 1980. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. But uh, that that was my choice. I would have enjoyed that to continue and actually maybe seen them work their way up to making it to Earth, perhaps bridge the gap, what went on in that time period between the two shows, which they never really touched on. I did an episode of Is It Yours with Shag where we did the pilot of Battlestar Galactica, and then we did an episode of one of his shows on the Fire and Water Network where we covered the uh adaptation of the uh pilot show and at that time shag had said to me you know if you like this you will like the series and i've kind of had my eye open you know to see if i find them in the cheap bins but i haven't really seen much yet so it it is a series that i plan on uh checking out though i i didn't know you were looking for it i'll uh i'll keep my eyes open as well i actually managed to collect the the whole series um out of the cheap bins i think with one exception i think there was one issue that i paid a little bit more for because it was just eluding me for the longest time and i needed it just like to complete the series and i don't even remember what issue it was now it may have been the very last issue i, I forget it was toward the end of the series Ooh, but I believe uh, it's 30 30 something issues i think Oh, well, I don't think I, it's that many. I think it was 24, but I, I could I be wrong. I think it's 23. It's 23. Is it who, 23? Okay. Yeah. Who was yeah. on that that there was somebody? Well, who, the, the reason I started picking it up, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, I had a long-standing prejudice against Battlestar Galactica that came from my childhood because I recognized it at the time as... I, I kind of wrote it off as a as a Star Wars ripoff, which it kind of sort of is. Um, but looking back on it now, that wasn't really fair because they, you know, yes, they were riding the coattails of Star Wars clearly, but they were also doing something kind of different and and kind of unique and and all of that. But uh, the biggest reason I started picking them up was at some point my memory got jogged about the fact that I'm trying to remember the order either Walt Simonson went from star Wars to Battlestar Galactica That's or vice was. Walt, versa. Walt, yeah. Walt, 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> easy for me to say, uh, but the, I remember one of my favorite issues of Marvel star Wars was one where it starts out and you're seeing the rebel fleet from the end of um, Empire, which is kind of get Battlestar Galactica-like because it's a ragtag fleet, much like, you know, was always at the end of every episode of Battlestar Galactica. 
but the the issue starts where this X-wing is on approach and is basically going to crash into the fleet and they can't raise the pilot or whatever. So they use like these grapples. And I remember they like shoot the wings off it. And for just a moment without the wings on it, it kind of looks like one of the colonial vipers. Mm. And it just, I, I always loved the art and I loved Simonson's whole time on star Wars. I thought he, he really had a handle on the look and everything. And I was just, reminded that he had also worked on Battlestar. So I thought, well, you know, it, it didn't have a very long run. I'll, I'll start picking those up. And I was keeping an eye out in the cheap bins. And like I say, I managed to, you know, collect the whole series. But then again, you know, it's just another one of those that, you know, I went through all the trouble to collect and now it just sits in a box on red. So yeah, I need to to dig out that that would be a good, uh, an episode to do sometime is to, you know, look at that series. There have been so many since then. And the right. different publishers, Dynamite, and uh... yeah, I've got some of those here, 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 here and there, but I don't know what the connectivity is, if any, or if it's. Well, I don't think it's connected at all. I mean, I don't even yeah. know if in Dynamite it's so... connected to itself. Well, it's a shame. Just as a tangent to this, is Dynamite came out with a. Uh... A miniseries, Galactica 1980. Uh. <laughs> but it was more realistic where, like, a, the Galactica arrives over Washington and mm. they, the government shoots it down. Whoa. Uh, and it was like a fantastic four issue, you know, series. And then it was supposed to pick up, like, Galactica 1981 and they never did anything. Mm. So it kind of left you in suspense. Oh. But yeah, enjoyable series. All right. I think it's my turn. All right. So uh I actually have mine ranked, so I'm gonna go from, from five to number one. So starting, you know, starting with the lowest one on the list. Um, my criteria that I went with on on this, because all I really had was just the title of the episode, which was, you know, five titles we wish had continued. So what I went with um was trying to think of the series that where i was like the most crushed when they canceled it because i was actively collecting it so that was kind of my that was my first criteria is it had to be something i was actively collecting and reading as it was coming out as opposed to like something i discovered later or something like that because i mean there's there's a lot of those series you know that i wish had continued but you know, it's just in retrospect. So I, I went, you know, with ones I was actually collecting and, and reading at the time. Um, but what made this really challenging was that a lot of series, when they get canceled, it's for good reason. It's because, you know, for whatever reason, something happened, like it's just that it became where it wasn't as good or something. It kind of tapers off and, and that sort of thing. So it became a challenge with some of these, like, you know, it, it got canceled and maybe justifiably so. So then it becomes a matter of, well, I wish it had continued if they were able to, you know, get it back to, to some of its former glory. kind of. So it was kind of a catch 22 type of thing. But anyway, um, so my first one, my number five is uh, don't laugh. It was a series called team Titans, not teen Titans, 
team T E A M Titans. It was a spin off. Teen Titans for people with dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was a spin off title. Um, it only ran twenty four issues. Um, it had five variant number ones, and as I recall, they actually were different because they had. I think they had two stories in each issue, number one. And like the first story was the origin of, of a specific character, like a specific member of the team. And then the same backup story was in all five. So in order to get like the whole story, you had to get all five of the number one. So right out of the gate, that probably didn't help them to do something like that, to force you to buy five number ones that are going to reprint or at least have some of the same material in all five of them. So it was that, um, but like I say, it ran 24 issues and it had two annuals. It ran from September 92 through September 94. Um, so it was a spinoff from, uh, new teen Titans when it had become new Titans. So the Titans had, had aged and now they had gone from being whatever age they were supposed to, you know, from being teenagers to now they were nebulously like in their twenties to thirties, something like that. And so I think my, my impression was that this was to inject some more members, some, some new blood, but also some younger members type of thing. And it was an interesting, they had an interesting team. Um, the, the, the character I really latched onto was there was a, a vamp. There was literally a vampire on the team. And I thought he was kind of a cool character. And there were one or two others that were kind of interesting that, that kind of c- could have gone in some interesting places. And one of the members was this guy named Deathwing, which at first you were under the impression that he was like an evil alternate universe version of Dick Grayson. Um, but apparently that, that didn't ever really pan out. But the the problem with the series was, um, you know, Marv Wolfman was handling pretty much everything Titans when this book came along. But then at some point he dropped it to concentrate on other stuff. And then it just went through other hands and other creators and everything. And it, it kind of meandered and kind of lost its focus. And I was reading something today from one of the creators, you know, one of the later creators on the series that I guess DC editorial was giving them a hard time because they had a certain vision for the book that conflicted with what they were wanting to do and everything. Um, But what ultimately doomed the book was zero hour. So you get to the last issue of the series and they're involved in the zero hour event and they get sucked into like this whirlpool vortex thing and just get erased from continuity all except for like two or three members of the team were just like wiped out like retroactively just wiped out of continuity and you know for when you're reading a title and you're kind of sort of invested in it and you're, you're trying to follow what's going on and you care about the characters and you want to see where the thing's going for them to do something like that was, is really kind of shit, you know? And I was like, I remember being really angry at the time. Like, well, what the hell I was reading this. I was enjoying this. And you know, you didn't even end it satisfactorily. You just decide to, well, they just don't exist anymore. And I remember feeling really angry and cheated by the whole thing and for a time i would keep an eye out to see you know did did they ever you know do anything did they ever resurrect any of them did they ever 
tie up any of the loose ends or anything, and not really. Um, a couple of the characters uh, did survive, but they never really did anything with them, which was kind of a shame because one of the characters was Tara Markov. And one of the big hooks with this series, having her in it, was, was she really Tara? Because Tara died in the um, in the Judas contract. She basically gave her life or her life for the Titans when she was supposed to betray Deathstroke the Terminator. And she ended up dying in that story. And that was one of the the story threads in Team Titans was that she was mysteriously back, but was it really her? And something I was reading today, I was reading a uh, you know different uh, information on the team to try to refresh myself on the story and everything. And apparently, I don't know if they ever actually came right out and said it in the series proper, but according to like the creators, that was their intention was yes, it was really her. And they were going to figure out a way to explain like how was she alive again and just never quite got to it. So that sucks that they just kind of, not only that they pulled the plug, but that they pulled the plug in such a crappy way that, you know, as, as one of the crossover issues of zero hour, which was kind of a shit event to begin with, you know, to begin with, they just used that as the excuse to just dump the book and wipe the team from existence. I think that was pretty crappy. So that was my number five. Okay. So moving on to number four. Did any of you guys ever read that title? I'm curious. I have zero familiarity with it, but it sounds interesting. (laughs) It was it was all right. So uh, number four for me is basically I kind of stretched my criteria a little bit. It's the two Hercules miniseries that Bob Layton did. Yeah, uh, that should have just been an ongoing series. That was awesome. The art was great. The stories were engaging. It was just fun and uh, very disappointing when they did when they did away with them because. Like I said, it just should have been ongoing. Did you ever read the later stuff where he revisited the character? The only other thing I saw that I have is the uh, the graphic novel. Yeah, there's that graphic novel, which is good. I, I felt like that was just about the same quality as the the original two um, minis because I'm big I'm a big fan of both of those as well. And then there was one he did fairly recently, and by recently I mean with like within the last. 15 to 20 years it was a four or if i can look it up for you and tell you exactly um i didn't even know it existed i i learned about it when i talked to him at, at one of the mega cons um we got to talking about hercules and he's like oh did you know about such and such and i was like oh, i never even heard of it and uh i i tracked it down i read it it was it was good, but it was one of those like you can't go home again type of thing like like mm-hmm. you, know, you could tell everybody was was earnest and everybody was really trying, but it just failed to kind of capture the magic again. Um, it was called Hercules twilight of a God. It was, it it was a four issue series came out in 2010. And I think that's the last thing if, if I remember right. So yeah. So basically there's, there were four, four projects that he did, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I loved both of those minis back in the, they were fantastic. Yeah, they came out, just for what it's worth, with the cover dates. Uh, it was 1982 
the issue first one was first issue was September of 82. The second miniseries had a cover date of March of 90, March of 84, excuse me, uh, for the first issue. And that's it. They were both two, you know, four issue series. And then there was the graphic novel, which came out in 88. And then I may have to look into the uh, the other one that you're just talking about. The other one I would highly recommend to you, I don't believe Leighton has anything to do with it. Um, let's see. According to the, the CLZ app, the writer was Frank Thierry. Penciler was uh, Mark Texier and inks by uh, Jimmy Palmiotti. It was a five, I think it was five, yeah, five-issue series in 2005. It's basically Hercules Volume 3. It was another miniseries, five issues. That's also excellent. It's a very I see that different... there was one in 2005 called The New Labors. Yeah, that, yeah, that I don't have. I don't have. Oh, wait, that's my... Yeah, this is yeah, it's the same one. Yeah, the new labors. Yeah, that's I think so. Yeah, yeah two thousand five. Yeah, Thierry, Mark Texiera. Yes, it's it's so. it's really good. It's very different. It's it's not the comedic take and all that, um, but it's excellent. I want to say, I want to say I may have covered an issue of this because there's. I know I talked about it on the show at some point. The the final issue, the final labor. Um, because he has to, he basically has to, he's trying to redeem himself because he, he feels like he, he's become a joke. And so to kind of like jumpstart his career again and, and like regain some of his, you know, the respect of the masses, essentially, he goes on, uh, 12 new labors and the last labor, um, was excellent it was in the very last issue and it was i mean it was a really really good uh just an excellent story where the last labor he has to go to hell and get the absolution of his wife and children that he murdered back in prehistoric time or back in greek times so the the woman if you've ever seen the 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 disney versions so another reason i really don't like the disney version is that the woman that he romances in the Disney version that he winds up with, well, according to actual Greek lore, he murdered her and, and their kids, um, like on a drunken rage type of thing. And so this series is much more invested into actual, like Greek mythology and everything. And so he actually, um, you know, has to go on that labor. And it's, yeah, the part where, where he actually, conf- or, you know, is confronted by them in hell. It was just, it's powerful. It's, it's good stuff. Excellently written. Really, really good. I, I think Thierry did some other Hercules stuff too, but I forget where exactly that appears or if I've even read it. Um, the one I would steer you clear of though, is there was a series, it was either a series or a mini series. I forget. I only have the first issue. It was in 2015. Um, that one I did not like. And a lot of the reason was because Herc ends up destroying the Parisphere. <laughs> the uh, Unisphere, I mean. The Unisphere in, uh, in Plushy Meadows. But it just it wasn't very good. That, that one actually did make him a joke, and I didn't like that. I don't like it where they, you know. Because I never felt like Leighton was making fun of him. I felt like he was having fun with him. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But I, I, I also uh, 
kind of always got a kick out of uh, when they did the Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. Every time that Aquaman was on, I thought he was <laughs> being Hercules. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Who's next? Was that Bill or uh, Dave? Uh, one Dave, second. Dave. Dave. Um, for my next pick, I'm gonna go with the series JSA from 1999 through 2006. I liked that incarnation of the team, and I felt it was. It had a lot of good stories. And they were all interconnected. And it was firing on all cylinders. And then they decided, oh, we're going to reboot the numbering. Right. Canceled the book and made Justice Society of America, which was all right. But I felt they lost something. They lost their momentum. And it just, it wasn't what it had been. And I just really enjoyed that incarnation of the team. Of all the uh, post-crisis ones, I would say. Because it was a good mix of the original characters and some of the younger, newer characters. Almost what I think... Almost what I think Infinity Inc. could have been, Mm. but for the crisis. Yeah, I I didn't buy that series. Or actually, I think I bought the first couple of issues when it first came out. But I didn't stay with it. Uh, what I ended up, most of my exposure to that series was actually taking out trade paperbacks from the library and reading them in story arcs. And I did quite a few of them. I don't know how many of them there were, but I did quite a few. And every single story arc from that series I enjoyed, that of the, of the ones I read. I, I thought it was well done. I thought the art was really good. Uh, I thought the interaction between the characters bringing in, much like I said with the All-Star Squadron, much uh, bringing in the younger characters, mixing them in. And it's not that often that, you know, ever with the exception of when, you know, they rebooted Flash with Showcase number four and they and they had that that revival of the DC heroes. It hasn't been that often that I've really enjoyed legacy heroes. And that was a run where they brought in legacy heroes that I did enjoy. And then we saw a lot of them in that Stargirl uh, TV series. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of that seemed to be based on on that JSA series. So, yeah, uh, yeah I agree. Good choice, Dave. Uh, I'll go. Um, I'm gonna go with, and I don't know if you guys have read it this before. Uh, the future, the Futurians. I've seen it. I I think I have the graphic novel. I have the graphic novel of it, but I don't. It was a graphic novel, and then there was like like a three issue series, uh, published by uh, I think it was Lodestone or or then actually became or republished by Eternity. Um, yeah, it was originally Marvel graphic novel number nine. Uh, the plot is very strange, <laughs> and but it's it's lovely Dave Cockrum ca- characters. There's been talks of doing a film adaptation, uh, Rob Liefeld option to property, but that was like in 2017. So who knows? Probably never come out. But it was like they would like send back heroic or like hero DNA back to the past to try to create heroes in the future. Uh, it was very, 
very weird, very uh, goofy stuff. Nobody, nobody else has read it. Um, I, uh, I, I know I have the graphic novel. I don't think I've ever read it. Uh, mint in box, uh, but I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't really give you any kind of input on it. I remember. You know, the Dave Cockrum artwork, just from glancing at it, which is I've always enjoyed Dave Cockrum's artwork, but I never read the series, so I can't really give you anything. Yeah, because I I was at at the time when I got the graphic novel, uh, you know, he was big. uh, He had. I was getting X-Men back issues to where he had been the artist there and and, um, you know, it's like, ooh, Dave Cockrum, ooh. Cool, I gotta have this. Have that. <laughs> I had it for years. Dave Cockrum. <laughs> but it never it never continued, and I was so sad. So that's all I got. Yeah, I've definitely seen I don't I'm looking here to see if it I if I have it. I really don't think that I do. I've definitely seen it around. I've got a couple of the issues and oh. the graphic novel. This was always one of those ones where when I see it, you know, on a quick glance, I always mistake it for um, who was the spacefaring team that Cyclops' dad was? Oh, the Star Jammers. Star, Star Jammers. Jammers. Yeah. I oh, yeah. It's, it's it. very re- yeah. Re- reminiscent of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I never have read it. Cool. Uh, what do you got for number four? Me? Yep. All right. My number four. All right. I think I think Bill will be able to back me up on this one a little bit. I'm I'm hoping anyway. So my number four is a Dark Horse series called simply X. Mm. Um, X was a character that debuted. Um, Dark Horse actually had a series called Dark Horse Comics, not Dark Horse Presents, because that's where <laughs> that's what I thought it was. And I was looking through and going, this isn't right. This isn't the right cover. So I had to dig around to to find the information on this. But they actually had a series called Dark Horse Comics, even though that's the name of the company. Um, He debuted in uh, in issue number eight. And the only reason I ever even discovered this character was because if you guys remember when Dark Horse got the license to do Star Wars... Um, one of the earliest, if not the earliest thing that they did was a character called Nomi Sunrider that was part of um, the Tales of the Jedi, which was a, a flashback to like, like, I don't know, it was supposed to be like thousands of years ago, you know, even even older tales of Star Wars type of thing. And Nomi Sunrider's first story was a, I think, three issue arc in... Dark Horse Comics. So Dark Horse Comics was an anthology title that changed up quite often. And so she had a story, and I believe it was issue seven, eight, and nine. So when I got issue eight, that was the first, that was the beginning of the arc with X, who also had, I think, a three story arc that ran in like, I think, issues eight, nine, and 10, something like that. And so I just discovered him by accident because he was both on the cover of issue eight, which I bought for Star Wars. Um, but, uh, you know, it was also he was in the issue. And I remember just, you know, reading it and, and liking the art and just started to kind of track the character. So eventually 
after a couple one shots and different things, he got his own series. And I forget who actually created the character and who the, the, the creators were in the, in the early stuff. But when the series came along, the series was written from beginning to end by Stephen Grant, who I always really liked because I liked his Batman stuff and some other things that he had done. Um, so he was always a writer that I really liked. And uh, a lot of the early issues were by Doug Mank. I think it's pronounced Mankey. I'm not sure. It's uh, I think it's M-A-N-K-E, I think. Never never sure how to pronounce his name, but I think it's Mankey. Um, it's funny because I've never really liked his art on anything else. I definitely did not like when he did Superman, the Man of Steel. I, I really did not like his Superman. But uh, I loved his stuff on X. I thought he was, he was just perfect for that title. And so X, the, the whole story with X was, he was, um, he was a lot Batman, a little bit Punisher and a little bit Wolverine. So imagine like Batman, if Batman was just some guy in a, in a costume, wasn't, he's not rich or anything. He's just, he's kind of has this homemade outfit and his whole thing is that he's trying to clean up his city. He's trying to fight crime and corruption. And he will mark somebody once with, with, with a line, like a diagonal line. And that's your one warning. And if he has to mark you again with the diagonal line in the other direction, making, making an actual X, that means he's going to kill you that you you've been marked for death essentially. So that's kind of his thing. And in the early issues, it takes you kind of a while to figure out that, man, this guy can take a hell of a lot of punishment. Well, eventually it, it comes, you come to find out that he's a little bit Wolverine in the, in the aspect of he has like a healing factor. So he, he, it's almost like a mutant ability, but that's as far as like powers go, that's the only power he really has. He's not super powered. He's not super strong. He doesn't fly anything like that. He's so he's essentially like Batman and the Punisher role together. Um, but then you add in this, you know, the, the healing factor. So the guy can just take wicked amounts of punishment. And so that was kind of the hook in this is that he's just, you know, he's aptly named by being X because he's a blank slate. You don't know who he is. You don't know where he comes from. You only know his deal that he's, he's out there trying to clean the city up and, and he's taking out all these like crooked politicians and stuff like that. And it was just, it was a fascinating series to follow and, and, you know, track the progression, but also try to figure out like, what, what's the deal? What's going on? Who is this guy? Where does he come from? All of that. And I felt like they were doing a really good job of keeping him mysterious while slowly doling out information about him too, to, to keep you invested and keep you interested. And then all of a sudden at issue 25, it's like, they just kind of dump everything very quickly. Like, okay, all his powers come from this event that happened in the, in the dark horse comics, greatest world thing. Um, that gave him these powers and that's why he can do this stuff and that's it series over. And they just like unceremoniously dumped it and canceled the series. And I'm like, but what the hell? Cause again, I was, I was really invested in this. I, I he was definitely to me the best character to come out 
of that experiment that Dark Horse did where they created their own shared superhero universe. And they created a lot of characters for that that very quickly whittled down to essentially just X and Ghost was the other one that was kind of the breakout character. Those two were, they were both fantastic books. Ghost went on for a long, long time. Um, but X, once he, he died at 25, I think that was pretty much the end of him. Um, he did come back. I want to say it was 2015. Um, he had another 25 issue run. I have yet to read any of that, but I noticed that none of the original creators or, or the later creators um, had anything to do with that. I've never heard anything about it. I don't know if it was any good or not. Um, I'm a little nervous to read it because I suspect it's going to be another one of those examples of, you know, you can't go home again type of thing. But I, was, I just was so gutted when they canceled this book because I was really digging it. And I thought he was a, a really fascinating character. And um, when uh, when they dumped his book and he just kind of faded away, um, I just kind of lost all interest in the in the superhero stuff that, uh, that Dark Horse was putting out. Um, with the exception, I, I still would keep an eye on Ghost from time to time, but by that point, she kind of mutated to where she was off doing her own thing and wasn't really connected with that whole superhero universe anyway. So, but yeah, I know Bill remembers this series. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple, I, I, I didn't get into it as much as you did, but I do have a couple issues of the series. And I was like, but, uh, never kind of went back to it. Didn't, it didn't was capture stuff. me as much as it captured you. <laughs> it yeah, was one I, of those I, series I that I had it on my uh, to-read list based upon your say-so, and sadly, I never got to it. Doesn't mean I never will, but I haven't right. as yet. They've uh, they've collected it in those... Uh, you remember when Dark Horse was putting out those really nice... They were like a little bit, a little bit smaller size than a standard comic, but they were those... Um, Shoot, I'm trying to remember what they called. They were they were trades, you know, trade collections, but they had a specific name that Dark Horse called them, com- compendiums or something like that. I can't remember, but they did a whole bunch of them. They reprinted like Star Wars. They reprinted uh, Further Adventures of Indiana Jones. They reprinted a whole bunch of stuff, but they reprinted X in I think two volumes of that. So it's out there for cheap, you know. Plus, I see the back issues of this in in the cheap bins like all the time. So you could probably collect them that way too, but. I recently uh, did reread the whole series because I was curious if it would still hold up, you know, because it's very 90s. But I was pleasantly surprised to find it. It held up really well. And really, the the only weak part is when it just kind of unceremoniously ends and they kind of half-heartedly give you, like, the explanation of how he could do the stuff that he did. And it just it felt very disingenuous, like... And we're just going to wrap all this shit up and oh here by here, by the way, this is his origin. It, it just, yeah, it felt, I felt cheated by the whole thing. Da, 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 da. X. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Back to you, Paul. So my number three book is the first self-titled series of the Inhumans. Uh, now, they had been given a kind of a tryout in Amazing Adventures, issues one through ten. Uh, the first eight of ish, the first wait, eight wait, wait, issues wait, of which. Wait, 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 wait. Is. What what book did you say it was? Inhumans. In, I, in, you know, I'm I sorry. don't think you're saying in, that right. Inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> 
Humans. So, so they had they had been given, uh, uh, you know, half in a split book, Amazing Adventures issues one through eight, uh, which those issues were either drawn by Kirby or Neil Adams. Uh, and then issues nine and ten were uh, full issues of the humans, uh, drawn by uh, Mike Sikowski. That was that ended in 1972. They were given their own series in 1975, when I was deeply into this. It ran 12 issues. The artwork was either uh, George Perez, or wow. it went from Perez over to Gil Kane. Uh, Perez, Perez came back for one issue and then it went over to, uh, Keith Pollard. Uh, it was, I thought it showed a lot of potential. It was all written. (laughs) The the, the entire series was written by, uh, now I'm I'm wondering if this is who you were talking about before. Doug Mensch, M-O-E-N-C-H. No, it was was different. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was the same person. That we were talking about. But anyway, uh, he wrote the entire series. I thought it had a lot of potential, but I think it was a victim of the same thing that kind of happened to DC in that era, where I think Marvel expanded itself just a little too much, and they had too much stuff coming out every month. Uh, there was one reprint issue in there, because I think they couldn't keep up with the uh, production schedule. Uh, but a lot of good stuff came out of it, and in particular, I think this is really where I first came to appreciate George Perez and his artwork. So, you know, big series for me. And plus, I've always enjoyed those characters. I like the I liked the idea that, you know, uh, unlike the Avengers, uh, you know, th- these were all people who did not have their own books. They could really go wild in the stories as much as they wanted to. Uh, it, it was I, it was a disappointment for me when it was canceled. I am. Uh, I have been picking these up over the years. Cause at some point, I I discovered that I I had a lot more of them than I ever realized that I did, and some of them are, are climbing in price too. So I I started kind of picking them up as I would find them on the cheap, and now I'm I'm actually looking here. I'm one issue away. I need issue number tw- uh, two. To have the whole series. You're, this is the original 12 issue you're talking about, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would like to sit down and read this now. Because I've, I've actually gained a, a greater respect for these guys than I ever had when I was a kid. I, I never really liked the Inhumans as a kid. But um, over the years, I've come to really like that. I, I really came to like them during the whole... Uh, what was that event right after like Annihilation and all that? The the co- With the cosmic stuff where... Like Crystal, Crystal ended up marrying Ronan the Accuser for a time and all that. I can't remember what the hell the name of that was, but I, I liked all that stuff quite a bit. Yeah, no, that, that, that those series that came out then were all really well done. That was the Abnett and Landing stuff. And that was really probably right. prime, prime inspiration for what we get in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yep, uh, yeah. So, you know, hats off to that stuff. But yeah, I... I I got a kick out of this series when it was first coming out. Uh, this is definitely one that falls into your criteria of being disappointed when it was canceled. Right. Hmm. Yeah. It looks like the reprint is number nine. 
So this is a Jack Kirby reprint reprints yeah, the, a human story. Yeah. From from amazing. Well, I also adventures. noticed that uh, that it's not it's not contained to just the twelve issues because it said and number twelve says here story continues in Captain Marvel number fifty three. So yeah, there was, there was, a, down yeah, again there was a, a black bolt guest appearance in that issue. Oh, okay. That's the one with the Hulk. I think that was the one that I started the series with because that's the one with the Hulk. I think that was the first one I ever had. Cool. All right. Back to you, Dave. My next one is The New Adventures of Superboy from 1980 to 1984. I think it ran, I want to say, 54 issues, something like that. I can tell you here in just a second. 54, yes. Good call. And I still have number 54 that I bought off the stands. Because I I really enjoyed that as a, as a young tyke. And I think it was the whole... Um, I, I, as corny as it was, I liked the concept of Superboy being Superman when he was a kid. And just giving us the whole uh, Smallville experience. And I bought a hell of a lot of these books. And uh, I was disappointed when it folded up. Which I'm assuming they folded it up knowing that the crisis was coming. And it just wouldn't work in the new world. But uh, there were a lot of fun stories and I really enjoyed this series. And I was sorry when they canceled it. Do you follow the, uh, I, I think it's a blog that he does, but I, I see them posted on Facebook quite a lot. So I'm not sure what the actual source is or the frequency or what, but there's a, a internet thing that uh, Paul Kupperberg does where he picks 13 random things, like 13 books I worked on or th- my 13 favorite this or 13. Th- and they're really interesting. And there's, there's one that... Uh, it's been out for a while, but I just saw it recirculate the other day on Facebook. And it was uh, something about, it was like the 13 projects that almost happened or some, something to that effect. And one of the ones on the list was uh, a series called DC Double Comics. And I guess it actually got so far as like stories and artwork were produced for this. Um, but then the book just never came to fruition. And what it was, was DC was canceling both new adventures of Superboy and Supergirl. That that's the one that had started out as daring new adventures, right. of Supergirl. They canceled both of those books with the intention that they would reignite both of them in one book, a shared book, and that would be the DC um, double comics. So you would have both of those characters, you know, separate stories, but both Mm -hmm. of those characters in like one anthology, almost like a Superman family type of thing, but just with Superboy and Supergirl. It sounds a lot like adventure comics used to be in the early 70s. Yeah. And I guess the biggest reason that it didn't happen was, as you say, I, I don't know about Superboy, but they knew that uh, that Supergirl was going to be killed off in the crisis. 
So I think that's what ultimately dooms at least her participation in the book. As far as the Superboy thing, I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess it was by that point, they probably knew that they were going to be retooling Superman and that Superboy wouldn't be part of his continuity anymore. So I'm assuming that's why. Right, but uh, I mean, the Superboy in the crisis is Superboy Prime. It's not. See, that, it, it's funny you mention that because I was thinking about that very thing the other day. Um, you know, so I'm on a read through right now of of DC from the first mention of the Monitor in New Teen Titans, which was in 1982, and I'm going to read right through the crisis. But I'm reading every single DC title because I'm trying to see are there any other uh monitor appearances or mentions that that have not been noted yet that you know officially like in all the lists and everything plus it's just fun I, you know there's there's a lot of stuff i'm learning you know characters that i didn't know about and that sort of thing but i was kind of making a mental note of for all the characters and and everything that do appear in the crisis and take part you know big and small there are a lot of characters that are oddly not part of the crisis. And, and the one that really stands out to me is Superboy. Yet he's there as Superboy, you know, who, who we eventually would come to call Superboy Prime. And that's so odd to me because he's such a complete, at least at that time, was such a complete throwaway character. I've always wondered why the hell would they include him and not the actual Superboy, who was a huge character for DC, and for you know, for guys like us, I mean, I, I'm I still admit it at this point in my fifties that Superboy is still one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. I grew up with that stuff. I loved those stories when I was a kid. Me too. <laughs> and I, as I've been reading my way through uh, through New Adventures. Yeah, they're silly, they're super corny and very cheesy, but they're also a hell of a lot of fun. I, I can enjoy them from a complete, like, nostalgia trip type of thing. You know, are they great? No. But are they fun? Yes. And so, yeah, I, I got your back on that. I, I haven't gotten to the end of the series yet, but, uh, yeah, that's one that uh, actually... Uh, Bill and I, when we were going over to uh, to Urban Legends, uh, I started buying those out of the the cheap bins over there. Urban Legend for I don't know fifty cents or a dollar a book, because I'd come to regret. I used to have a complete run of it and loved them, and I don't know why I ever did it, but I sold it and not for very much money. And I'd always regretted that I didn't have them anymore. So as I started to find them on the cheap, I started picking them up again. And the guy at Urban Legend. Um, one day when we were there, he had like the entire series in the cheap bin. So I just bought the whole damn thing again. See, I'm in the same boat. The only ones I saved was I saved issue 50 and 54. Hmm. Well, I'll keep an eye out for you because I, I still see them on the cheap from time to time. And yeah, that they're fun. They're just really fun books. I, I really like that stuff. You know, I will bet you the reason they brought in Superboy Prime was... The argument you couldn't have Superman and Superboy in the same space at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, of course, yeah. That that makes well, I I could see that, but then during the crisis, I mean, I wonder if if readers would have given him a break on that sort of thing, you know? 
but yeah, that's a good point. Cause yeah, yeah during the pre-crisis time, you're right. Yeah. They made it, they made a big deal about that, that they couldn't coexist. Am I remembering right though? The, the Superboy prime comes out of an issue of DC comics presents, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like number eight, I want to say like 85, 86, something it's, it's rated for the, the end. series. Yeah. And it, it's it's such a weird issue. It's it's actually it's pretty shit because the art was not very good. The story was just dumb. So he he literally was he he had the exact same origin as Superboy slash Superman, you know, coming from Krypton and all that, except in the Earth Prime universe. And Earth Prime during the pre-crisis was supposed to be our Earth. So he was literally like Superman from our reality. And it just, it was just stupid. And so I was really always kind of confused and mystified. Like why bring him in at the 11th hour and make him such a big part of the, cause he was a big part of the crisis. So right. yeah, I, I've never understood that. that. And then they recycled that idea in the 2000s. Oh, I with think the, it was called secret identity or something like that oh no, right right yeah. right it's a four issue series yeah yeah that was okay but yeah yeah, yeah you're right bad. it was it was the exact same thing yeah it was a it was a guy living in the real world who just happened to be named oh. clark kent and then discovers he actually is yeah it was the yeah same silly thing yeah you're right i forgot all about that whose turn is it is it me again? That would be Dr. Bill. Oh, Dr. Bill. <laughs> All right. So a little earlier, somebody brought up Abnett and Lanning. And until tonight, I hadn't really realized, actually, when I picked this series or when, when I was reading it, I didn't remember that they wrote this way back in 94 to 96. Forceworks. Anybody ever read Forceworks? Mm -hmm. I enjoyed oh, Forceworks. Okay. So that spun out of the end of West Coast Avengers, yep. and Tony Stark formed his own um, team. Scarlet Witch was on it. Uh, Spider Woman, uh, Julia Car Carpenter, the one with the black outfit. Um, Century. Uh, Century, yes. You know, the other night we were we, we were talking about Wonder Man, and and when he died, and it was in like the first mission of Force Works that he died. He was uh, d yeah. disintegrated by the Kree. Yeah. I think it was the Negabomb thing, or I might be messing that up. But 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 anyway, no, but he did you say it was right. the nude bomb? The nude bomb. There's no such thing as a nude bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it had the character of the Sentry, who was like the amalgamation of like a hundred of uh, uh, the, the greatest of his race, the the Hudumur. Uh, who do more? Who do but who do you do the voodoo that you do? Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was only lasted like two years, and it was written by uh, it was created by Abnett and Landing, and I didn't know that they created that. There was a little uh, bit of a, a, a tie in to the Iron Man cartoon that was going on at the time, yes, because I, I, I think that was, too. I think, I think that was part of its downfall was there was a little bit too much of an effort to kind of package them together well and then it was revealed towards the end of this that tony stark was under the influence of kang uh, do, you, do you think part of time the problem, slip crap 
with it though was was also now I have this. I have not ever read the complete series. Um, I, I've read portions of it, but um, I was waiting until I had collected the whole series to sit down and, and read the whole thing, which I hadn't gotten to yet. But do you think part of the problem is that the art is inconsistent at kindest and and kind of shit, to be honest? Well, looking at the issues... Well, looking at the pencilers here for the book, yeah, I mean, it was twenty, like 22 issues, and we had one, two, three, four. It, like, they changed pencilers every two issues. Yeah. And then they also changed inkers, like, every four. Oh, wow, sometimes, like, every... A lot. <laughs> there was... There was it, it felt like it came in an era where the art wasn't being emphasized enough mm. you know where, where it was there, there was more of an effort to just keep you know bombarding the stands with books and and you know they would take I, I at least i felt they were taking on some subpar artists in order to do so they would you know a lot of the prime artists were being well, one know, of those artists were, was were leaving well, but a lot of them were leaving because they wanted to do their own you know, create her own stuff at that well, point. When was the big, when was the big image exodus? When did all those guys leave? Wasn't that? It was mid-90? before that. It was before yeah, that. So, yeah. So I think this, I, I think you're right. I think you've hit on, so I think this was one of the victims of that is that they were kind of starved for really quality artists while at the same time trying to compete head to head with image and some of these other upstarts that were, you know, really raking in the bucks primarily because of the art. So I, I always felt like the, the downfall of this book was that they were trying to ride that image looking wave mm-hmm. artistically, but you look at it now and it, I mean, I don't know how it was embraced at the time, but I look at it now and I'm like, holy shit, does this just scream bad nineties? You know what I mean? Art- artistically, I mean. Artistically, yeah. I mean, but I I like the team and everything, and I and yeah, this was one that was this. I guess this could have got on to like, oh, what do you mean it's getting canceled? Oh. that was so sad. Yeah, I I managed to collect this whole thing because um, I, I had the first several issues already because I was buying them as they were coming out. And I forget what issue I bailed on it. Um, but yeah, you can find this entire series in like the dollar or less bins. And the, I think the I have the Ashcan Mini as well. That might yeah, yeah, I have that. Fine. Yeah, I, I think the primary reason I started nabbing these was that at some point I, it may have been you that pointed it out to me that it was Abnett and Lanning, um, uh, you know, were the were the writer team on this. I think that's I, why I started snapping. I, you know, I, I don't think it was me because I didn't. If I did, I must have forgot because until I was reading just now, I was like, "Wait, Abnett and Lanning did this?" Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely on my list to go back and uh, and read it. Wow. Yeah, for for what it's worth, this was a se- one of the few more modern series that I had on my list of, uh, you know, I wanted to just have a complete run of it, you know, and I picked it all up. I, I, I don't think I paid more than a dollar for any issue ever. Mm. And I probably got a bunch of them for 50 cents. Uh, but I was, for whatever reason, I was glad to have the whole run. So well, a big hook- is all my books have begun with F. 
but I got no more. <laughs> I, but I got no more effing books. So I'm upset that they canceled Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, the big hook for me at the time with this book was uh, was Julia Carpenter. I always liked her. I always thought she was a really cool character that I wish that they'd used more. Mm. She's got a good look. She's a redhead. That's why. There you go. All right, I think it's back to me, right? Yep. I believe so. All right, so I'm kind of surprised this one hasn't come up yet, but you guys have kind of beat around it a little bit. Um, so my number three is the Young All Stars, and you might be wondering why <laughs> why didn't I say the All Star Squadron? Well, the All Star Squadron, in my opinion, did kind of run its course. Um, I I kind of wish it had continued, but it, it sort of did because it became this. It became the Young All Stars. And this was a tricky one to put on the list because by the time this book ended, it wasn't very good. Um, I, you know, the stories were still pretty good and everything. You know, I, I, I still feel like Roy's heart was in it for the most part and everything. I, I always felt like, you know, he was really trying, but I don't know something had changed as well. I think, I think a lot of his frustrations with DC and what was going on with new dictates and the new continuity and all that, I, I think was kind of frustrating his, his creative process, if you know what I mean. Um, and then unfortunately this is a prime example of one of those books where, you know, I feel like the writer and the creator was really, trying to do something solid and and keep the book going and everything and then he was just being undercut by being saddled with just you know i don't know i, I hate to keep being denigrating to the artist but i mean by the time this book ended the art on it was shit and you know it's i mean comics is a collaborative process it's it's a marriage of you know the the story with the visuals and when the visuals aren't good, I mean, it really, it, it makes the, the writer, um, you know, it makes the story people have to work that much harder. And when the story already was not quite where it used to be and, and sometimes struggling story-wise, I, I think it was just the death knell of this book, unfortunately. So, you know, I included it on this list because... I was sorry to see it end. I was collecting it. I was reading it. Um, it made me sad only because I was, I kept hoping against hope that this book would regain some of its former glory because I felt like it started really strong. I thought like it had, like it had a really good premise. So for anybody that doesn't know that the whole premise basically with this book was, um, you know, with, with all-star squadron, the book that preceded it, you were telling the the World War II adventures of the Earth Two heroes uh, of you know the the Justice Society of America and the All Star Squadron. Well, after the Crisis on Infinite Earths, Earth Two didn't exist anymore, and so Roy Thomas, the the writer, had to do a lot of retooling and everything to to be able to continue the project that he was working on, which was telling these classic stories in kind of a linear fashion and trying to fix little continuity things and, and stuff like that. 
well, how do you do that when suddenly, you know, major characters that were part of this continuity, like Superman, Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman, suddenly they never existed. And he came up with kind of a novel idea of replacing them in continuity by uh, both new and some some lesser known characters that he brought in. So he created basically a whole new team and that was the young all-stars. So you had like Iron Monroe was the was the stand-in for Superman and Fury was the stand-in for Wonder Woman and stuff like that. And some of it really worked, some of it not so much, but I liked what he was trying to do. And some of the stories were were really good and really interesting. Um but again, I, I felt like he was kind of being undercut by both, um, you know, after the first few issues, the art took a serious dive. Um, they kept forcing, uh, like, you know, him to participate with crossover events, and they kept tying his hands about things that he wanted to do continuity-wise and certain characters and things that he wanted to do that they just weren't allowing him to to do the way that he wanted to. And I, and I think that kind of frustrated the whole creative process on this. And so it becomes a very uneven read. Um, and then ultimately what, what became the last arc in the book, um, I, I'm not sure what he was trying to do with it because one of the things probably the thing that I liked the very best about the young all-stars was that Iron Monroe, um, when they finally revealed who he was and his whole origin was tied to a character called Hugo Danner, who was a pretty obscure literary character who was one of the inspirations for Superman. So I thought that whole thing was really neat that, you know, that they brought him in and, and used him. But then the very last story arc before the book got canceled we find out that not only is Hugo Danner still alive, but he sort of became like a like a evil, almost like a per degaton um, vandal savage type of type of guy. And I was like, "What?" So yeah, it it just it it kind of just ended on a really downbeat in a and kind of just tapered off type of thing, which was really sad. I'd. You know, I would have liked to have seen it, you know, not only go longer and, and recapture some of its glory, but even if it couldn't do that, maybe just a couple more issues just to go out on a better note that it went out. Because it really just kind of craps out at the very end, which was a shame for, you know, something that, uh, you know, when it was All-Star Squadron is still regarded as one of the very best books of the 1980s. So for it to end this way was just kind of a shame, kind of heartbreaking. What did you guys did you guys read uh, Young All Stars? I started uh, maybe five or six issues in, but I haven't gotten farther than that. I, I think it was either. you inspired me to read it. Yeah, same here. Uh, I've been I've picked them up in the cheap bins. Uh, after you talked about it one day, I still have one issue to get to complete my run and. Then I'm going to have to schedule a reading. (laughs) 
Well, I'll tell you, you know, for, for you guys and, and the listening audience as well, if you only ever read two issues of this series, the two to read are issues 10 and 11, the secret origin of, um, of uh, Iron Monroe, because they're basically an adaptation of um, the book Gladiator, the, the book that Hugo Danner comes from. So, like, issue 10 is Hugo Danner's story, and then it's continued in the next issue, which ties him into um, Iron Monroe. So you kind of get a twofer. You get the origin of both of those characters. Fantastic stuff. Some really, really solid art. Um, it's, it's good. Those, those are definitely the two best issues of, the, of that entire series. If they had maintained that quality on the entire book, it would have run a hell of a lot longer than just 31 issues. But unfortunately after that, it, it pretty quickly tapers off at least art wise. And unfortunately, story-wise to one of these days, just for shits and giggles, I really want to do, um, I want to cover issue. I think it's 16, Yes, issue 16 through 19 is a four store a four issue arc that's the origin of Neptune Perkins, but it's all tied into the Titanic mm-hmm. and um Captain Nemo. And it's goofy as hell. And I really want to cover it one of these days because it <laughs> we can have a blast because it's it's yeah, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, that's my number three. All right, moving on to number two, 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 two. I am going with Champions, uh, which is an eclectic group of heroes that Marvel came out with. Uh, It was Angel and Iceman coming off of their uh, run in the X-Men. Hercules was the muscle man in the group and clearly the star. But it also had Black Widow and Ghost Rider. So it was like a very strange group of heroes. <clears throat> I really just enjoyed this run. I, I you know, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't lighthearted, but it was just a fun series to, to follow. Uh, and that's considering that the first, I think, nine or ten ish, issues of it were all drawn by either uh, Don Heck, George Tuska, or... Uh, or Bob Hall. Uh, issue 11 in the uh, credits has the sentence and introducing the pulse pounding pencils of John Byrne. So I guess this is his first book ever for Marvel. And he did, uh, he ran it through, I think, 11 through 16, and then 17 saw the return of George Tuska uh, for the final issue of the series. But despite my George Tuska dislike, I really got a kick out of, this, out of this series, and I just wish it had gone on. And I think the big draw for me was just the the eclectic nature of the heroes. Like, they didn't fit together. They didn't make any sense to be together. And it was just kind of fun to see how they worked at making them into a team. Because it was almost like it – was, it was very similar, I thought, conceptually to the Defenders. Only it was – you know, they were a legitimate team. They did form a team. So – you know, The Defenders was one of my favorite series at that time as well. And I was disappointed that this only ran 17 issues. So the other day when uh, when we were going to be covering um, an issue of this, did, did you guys ever do that episode? Did you record that episode? We, we have not recorded that yet, so we can still do 
what it was working into was an impromptu champion spotlight because yeah. I had an issue of the proper original series and Scott was doing a uh, an issue of the two I guess it was 2017 reboot. No, no, it was actually it was uh, a, another company that was using the same name. Champions. Oh, I, did, was, I was I, unfamiliar I, with that then. Um, well, good. I'm glad you didn't record it then because. So you, you picked an issue of the champions and I had fond memories of the champions, but when I pulled the issue, I'm like, I don't think I've ever read this. So it's only 17 issues. So I went ahead and loaded all 17 issues on my iPad, sat down, read the first three, which I don't think I'd ever read before, even though I own them because I had only ever read the John Byrne issues and he came in a lot later in the series than I remembered. I thought he came in pretty early, but he came in at, I think you said number 11. Mm-hmm. So I had never read the, the actual origin of the team and how they were formed and all that. So I read the first three and I really dug it and was kind of surprised to find that, uh, yeah, I'm, I feel much the same way you do on George Tuska, but I liked the Tuska issue. I liked his art. I, it, there was something about it. it. It looked it looked pretty. And I think part of it was nostalgia too, because it reminded me of when he did uh, uh, Planet of the Apes. And I always kind of liked that stuff, despite the fact that it's actually not very good. But I still feel nostalgic about it anyway. But uh, yeah, I was really I was I was pleasantly surprised. It's a lot of fun. It's goofy, but it's a lot. It's it was a lot of fun. But I've always been a sucker for the whole team of freaks thing. And, man, you don't get much freakier than the champions. They're such a mishmash of characters. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm looking here. It's weird that they would introduce him as... Uh, what did you say? It said now introducing John Byrne? Is that... Um, I'll go back to it. Hang on. It said, uh, and introducing the pulse-pounding pencils of John Byrne. Huh. Because he had done mostly guest spot stuff, but he had done iron fist prior to this. Well, maybe this was meant to be his first, uh, you know, assignment as opposed to doing Uh, an issue here or there. He was going to be the regular artist. Right. You know, he was for five issues. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good stuff. That that was another one where the art team changed quite a bit as I recall, because I think burns inked by somebody different on pretty much every issue. Isn't he? I think. Uh, I know see. Layton's in one of them. Yeah, I know. It was... first, first issue, he's inked by Layton in issue 11. Issue 12, he is inked by Layton. Issue 13, drum roll. It's issue Layton. by Layton. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Mike Esposito in, uh, in issue 14, 15. And you, you do see a drop off from, from Layton to Esposito. Yeah, if you look at the artwork in it, but it's still good. It's still burn. And then burn inked Tusca on seventeen, which I got to dig that out and look at it because I don't remember how that looks. Um, it, it's it's not your prototypical burn, but it has. <laughs> but you but you can see his his hand in it, right? You know the layouts <laughs> are different from what he would do. He definitely cleaned up the goofy Tusca faces. So yeah, it's it's a it's a. I thought it was a good run, and I would have, I would have liked to have seen it go longer. Uh, Dave, you're up. All right, I'm going to bring to the table Smallville season eleven that ran. I'm sensing 19- a pattern here. 
19, uh, <laughs> 19 issues from May of 2012 to November of 2013. I love the hell out of this series. And I don't know whether this series was as great as I'm remembering it, but this was a time when the new 52 had kicked in and the Superman in the comic books was nothing like my Superman. Right. And this was the closest you could get to it. I mean, it picks up pretty much where the TV show ended. He's Superman. He's with Lois Lane. And that's my Superman. So uh, it was enjoyable. There were a lot of spinoffs. They worked a lot of the uh, other characters into the, uh, the series. And it was just a hell of a lot of fun. But again, I caution you, I don't know whether it was as good as I'm remembering or it was, you know, like a a starving man that anything tastes great compared to what else was out there, Superman related. Um, that's uh, what I bring to the table for my number two choice. Well, yeah, I'm not particularly... Uh familiar with that particular run so unfortunately i can't give you much comment could say it was tights and flights <laughs> bill well um for my number two i think I'm, i think i'm gonna save my number one for number one um well i mean because i got five things left uh, I'm sure we'll do. I'm sure we'll do honorable mentions. Yeah. All right. I'm because this was actually the first one I wrote down, and that was uh, the Squadron Supreme, spinning yeah. out of that twelve issue series. Yes. Which, oh, I, did you did you like that too, too, Dave? I love that series. I'm so glad you picked that. But so I did some research, and so the. They're from Earth 712, and that Earth did end in a graphic novel. They they wrapped it up, but then later there was like they might have come back in like a Squadron Supreme series later in like 2015 or 14, which I've picked up, I think, the whole thing, but I haven't read yet. But it, it it's more like a they took refugees from different kind of like the well, because there was people in the Scott'll back me up on this in the exiles. Remember they had like I think they had a Hyperion in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but but I, I would have rather just, you know, I really like that 12-issue maxi series. And because there was there was like a lot of uh, like a lot of I don't, I don't want to say terrible things, but there was some terrible things that happened to the characters. Some of them observing some others not. And you really felt for the for for, you know. The characters that were originally, you know, the Squadron Sinister, but then, you know, the, this is the actual Squadron Supreme. That was just a great, a great, map, uh, a great series. But to anybody who's never read it, it's it's basically, what if the superheroes decided they were going to fix the Earth? They were going to mm -hmm. fix all the problems and make a utopia. Well, be careful what you wish for. So, no, it's a fantastic series. I'm so glad you picked that. It, it really is. I agree. 
You know, the funny thing is I, I bought very little Marvel at all. And I don't even know why I bought this off the rack. This is back in 1985. And I mean, it... They're very similar. It was a 12-issue series, and then when they reprinted it in a graphic novel, uh, I believe it was it Al Milgram? I think was... uh, He had died, and they mixed his ashes into the... No, it's Mark Grunewald. Mark Grunewald. Sorry, sorry. Wrong. Yeah, they mixed his uh, ashes into the ink on the... uh, onto the... um, the trade. Yep. And then they did, like I said, they did wrap up this in a book called The Death of a Universe, which kind of was like, oh, man. Hints, hints you know what happens. <laughs> I used to have the, I don't know if I still have it. I'm looking here to see. But I used to have the graphic novel that had his uh, his ashes in it, but I don't, yeah, I don't see it still. I, I think I sold it. Because for a time, novel, it, was, that... it was a reprint of the entire series into one book. <clears throat> yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I had that, the, the trade that had his ashes in it, because it actually had a sticker on it that said... Dead guy to that effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what it's worth now, but for a time, that was a very expensive book. I, I, cause I think I sold it for a, a pretty decent amount, if I remember properly, but... Oh my I god, so you're bartering in dead people? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I buy dead people. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really again, I'm going to say it again, it's great. It's they're analogs of the JLA, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who who doesn't know. But it's it's a great story. It really holds your attention. Yeah, and then like through the course of the book, there's like certain characters that become like uh, heroes that become villains and villains that become heroes and some heartbreaking stories. And, you know, really, really a good book overall. Oh yeah, definitely. Great. And, you know, may, maybe it's, you know, it, it's Maybe it should have gone on, but maybe some things are good having an ending, you know? Right. That is true. Sometimes, you know, if it runs its course and then ends up, you know, losing its steam, you feel like, uh, I wish, it, you know, I wish it never went there. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, so you never know what would have happened with any of these series that we're talking about. Every one of them. I mean, it's a given that every one of them would have run out of steam at some point because every series loses its momentum at some point. Some of them, you know, manage to regain it, but there's never been a series that I'm aware of that's been consistently good from beginning to end that had a very, very long run. You know, there's always some down points. Starman. I'll throw Starman out there. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And I, and I've heard great things. I have not yet set to read that. There's so many, so many books I need to read. It's funny because that, you know, jumping ahead for a second, that that's on my honorable mentions list. It was almost one of my five, but the problem is, is that I'm being completely selfish if I put that on my actual list because it had, he had the whole thing plotted ahead of time. And so it told the story he wanted to tell and it has a, a definitive layout and it has a definitive end. 
Mm. And so to want more is just me being selfish because it was a great series. It wasn't one of these things where I was dissatisfied by the ending or it just kind of petered out. It was just, that was it. That that's all the story that there was, but it was so damn good. I just, I wanted more type of thing, but yeah, I will highly recommend that series. Um, 75 to 80 issues. I forget. I think 80, if I remember right, but yeah, excellent from beginning to end. Um, anyway, I think it's my turn. Um, my number two, my number two. All right. This is a textbook example of what I was talking about earlier with, I was disappointed that it ended, but when it ended, it was pretty shit. So it, this is with the caveat. I wanted it to, I wanted it. I was disappointed that it ended just because, you know, it, it should have been better. It should have gone out on a higher note, but I, I kept, I kept hoping that it would just get good again. And it just, unfortunately just never did. And that's the further adventures of Indiana Jones. Mm. Um, just such a mishandled series, unfortunately, because it started so strong. So the first two issues of this, um, are by, um, um, John Byrne and Terry Austin and damn, is it pretty? I mean, some of their best work together, um, Byrne actually wrote it too. And it just feels like exactly what it should be. It feels authentic. It feels like a, a real Indiana Jones. It feels like it, it could actually be an adaptation of a movie that we just never got. Um, so much so that when they were creating, modules for the indiana jones role-playing game this was the first expansion module they actually adapted this this you know this two issue opening arc of this series into one of those it, it was that good of a story unfortunately the the lucasfilm rep pissed burn off so much that he quit after just the two issues even though he had a lot of other stuff planned that he wanted to do and i think he would have been excellent but they just, you know, they pissed him off, so he left. And unfortunately, the book just never recovered. That's not to say that there weren't other really good stories and other, you know, interesting things that happened and all that, because the the series did have um, some other really good talent work on it. Um, most notably, uh, Dave Michelini, um wrote the bulk of the series after Byrne left. Not all of it, but the bulk of it, and he definitely wrote the best stories. Um, Ron Friends worked on it, Danny Bolinati, um, Gene Day. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones, uh, Howard Chaikin. So there was, uh, I'll carry Gamil as well. Um, so there was some really good talent, but the problem is, is about, eh, about midway through the series, it just becomes one of those series where, um, even though Michelini hung in there for the longest time as the writer, they just kept changing the art team. And quite often the art team just didn't mesh with the, with the material. So you got things like Trimpy and Coletta. You got um, later on toward the end of the series, you got, and I know I'm probably going to, uh, I'm risking taking some flack for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You got Steve Ditko. And man, this is not good Ditko at all. It is lazy. It's 
really sketchy. It just, it was really shit. And it's just such a shame because again, for a book that started so strong. And I mean, for one of the characters that you know, maybe not at this time, but eventually we would become one of the most popular characters, you know, of, of the late 20th century, you know, that, that carries that popularity into the 21st century for him to just, you know, have a series that only lasted 34 issues. It, it's just, it's such a weird thing. You know, they, they got a late start because the series didn't even debut until, um, well, it's, it's, uh, the cover date here is January of 83. So the, you know, Raiders had been out for three years before they decided to do, you know, an ongoing series. And then it ends in 86 between, you know, so basically about halfway between Temple of Doom and uh, Last Crusade. So there's not even an ongoing Indiana Jones book on the stands by Marvel when Last Crusade comes out. So it's just, it's so weird to me that, you know, this it seems like they could have followed more of uh of like a star wars model for this and it could have been something that that really went on and and was a solid book but instead they they just they treated it like so many of their other licensed properties and just after they lost michelini it's like they just didn't put the a team on this especially not art wise the art after about the midway point in the series the art just went to shit and that really, I think, was the biggest thing that killed the book was that the art just they, you know, they couldn't keep a consistent team. But then the team that they had most consistently toward the end was just really not good. So, yeah, it was it was sad. So, I mean, it deserved to die when it did. But at the same rate, it was really sad that it that it ended and just never recaptured any of that that early glory that it had. So. And you guys ever read uh, this series? Just those first two issues. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, those those are definitely the best ones, but I, I would also recommend any of the uh, the early issues by uh, by Michelini and uh, and Ron Friends, especially, and, and the the Carrie Gamil stuff is really good too. I'll also back you up on the Steve Ditko thing. I know I love Steve Ditko's work when he was. Put on the right thing uh and when he was inked correctly uh right you know he he uh he is best on either fantastical worlds like dr strange's you know those weird planets you know or backgrounds that he'd be in or a film noir type background which he did a lot on the early spider-man issues where there was a lot of shadowing going on and things like that 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 made it moody uh, and, and he was also really good on some of the uh, horror stuff that he did in the uh, 50s and 60s. But li- as he went on, uh, first of all, you know, there were series that he just wasn't suited for. Uh, like when he went over and did the Hulk and uh, Tales to Astonish, it, he really wasn't suited for that work. That wasn't the type of book he should be on. Uh, and then much later in his career, when it would go to like the tale, uh, the Indiana Jones era, uh, it felt to me like any anchor who was taking his pencils was afraid to make it shaded, you know, shadowy and and nuanced. Uh, So you got very, very coloring book type 
uh, images as far as the line work went. Uh, so yeah, the later Ditko stuff uh, wasn't good. I don't think it was all his fault, but it wasn't. It it, it didn't compete. It didn't compare. No, no, it didn't. And you know, and, and I feel bad saying this, but it's it just he became one of those guys where when you saw him come in on a series that was already struggling, then it was like the kiss of death, you know? And the same thing happened like Rom. He he was the, the guy at the very end of Rom too. So, and I think there was even other books. I'm struggling to remember what they were, but you know, there, there's certain artists that when they come in on a, on a book that's already kind of hurting late in its run, you can kind of tell at that point, well, this, this book's doomed, you know, and that was kind of the feel uh, on this, you know, they brought him in to finish it off. You say, yeah, yeah. Essentially, he, was yeah. The, he was the closer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So going down to my number one book and I am going to go off of your criteria or I'm going to abandon your criteria because this is a book that was canceled before I started collecting, but uh, it was one that I discovered early on and always lamented that it didn't go on longer. And that's the volume one of the Silver Surfer, which went 18 issues. Uh, it really was, you know, the Stranger in a Strange Land series. It got a little preachy at times, but the John Buscema artwork was awesome. The Stanley stories were, were really well done. There were a lot of poignant moments in there. We got the introduction of Mephisto as a character. Uh, there was a lot of really good stuff that went on and it continued to be good till the end. But for whatever reason, it never had a huge audience and it got canceled. But, I, you know, he, he's always been a favorite character of mine. Uh, and that series was always a disappointment for me that it did not last nearly long enough. Okay, so moving on, Dave. <laughs> the showstopper. <laughs> well, keeping to Scott's rules. In keeping with the theme, my number one is the Supergirl series by Peter David from starting in 1996 through 2003. It ran 80 issues. I got into this series because it was quote-unquote Superman related. But when you read it, it really is not related to Superman. This is starts out as the Matrix Supergirl from the John Byrne run in Superman. It was John Byrne, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Where he, she merges with an actual person and becomes an earthbound angel. And you have a lot of storylines with demons and some things out of mythology and religion. And it was really a fascinating series. And it went across a wide variety of topics the characters were really likable, ongoing story arcs. And then I felt at the end, DC wanted to bring back the original Kara Zorel, and they kind of just pulled the plug on it. They did a weird wrap up where she gets thrown back to the pre crisis era, and the ending was rushed. And I would have preferred it just to have carried on the way it was. And this character has faded into the mists, never to rear her head again. And I think it's a shame because it, it was a fantastic series. And while it's tangentially related to Superman, it's 
It really isn't. And I highly recommend it. I read that one on and off in the in the beginning. Like I think I read like the first year of it, and then I, I read sporadic issues toward the end. And I remember I it might be the very last issue. Isn't isn't there one where she's trying to like she meets the pre-crisis supergirl? Yes. And the yeah. pre-crisis Supergirl is like doing a, a hand handstand, and she asks mm-hmm. her what she's doing, and she says she's trying to move the Earth or something. Does that sound familiar at all? Vaguely, I I, yeah. I, I know, I believe, and I haven't read this in years, so I could you know be misremembering. I'm pretty sure it's somehow she knows that Kara is supposed to die in the crisis, uh. and she's either trying to save her or something like that almost to the effect like i'll go take your place right right yeah it was just now that 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 ring yeah that rings a bell because it was like uh it came out of nowhere and they kind of just rammed it in to wrap it up i i want to say i've heard where I don't know. I'm talking on my ass here, so I, I may not. I may yeah. not have my facts straight. But is that I why it's s- muffled? <laughs> I want to say that Peter David was able to take not necessarily the character, but like the concept, and he did some sort of continuation with it with another company or something. Do you, do you know anything about this? No, I don't. Yeah, you know, with be the curious. whole. Yeah, it was with the whole like you know angel aspect or what but I, I like i said i don't know enough about it to to be able to tell you authoritatively like like yes this actually got published or if it was just something he was talking about doing but it it seems to me that that yeah there was there was something i don't know i'll, I'll see if maybe i can find anything else about it but yeah, yeah. i, I cuz i think he ended up being frustrated by you know stuff that happened at DC as well and was at, at least thinking about or trying to do some sort of continuation. Right. And that 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 look towards the end of the series that Supergirl has, that's the look they used for Justice League Unlimited as well. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I remember that where she she um, adopted that look late in the series with the what do you call that the the half shirt or whatever in the in the mini skirt and all that. It's like she gets depowered or s- something along those lines, and she has to she changes a costume basically. I think it was she loses the Matrix ability to shift, so she's wearing like a, a blonde wig in the costume. Right. But like I'm saying, it was very well done, and it's a shame they pulled the plug on it. All right, my my number one, one number what, right? We're on number, yeah, yeah. Number, number one, number one. Apollo Smile. <laughs> Only two issues, one of which was given to me by a listener, which I believe Scott was there. Was that Michael Siderlo? Scott, I 
think so. At Disney, at Disney Springs, but at the time, I think it was Disney Downtown Disney. Maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember the event. I'm trying to remember who the person was. I'm pretty sure it was Mike Allen. If it's not, I apologize. But yeah. Fine listener who finally got me the second, got me the you know. There's only two issues. Now I got them both. Forever mine. Mine, mine, mine. Well, we all know how much I love Apollo Smile, so we can. Yes, I believe you gave it such a great rating. I but you could. Did I give it F's across the board? Uh, Well, what? Because I I don't even think you you had a visible copy, did you? No, I was working off a digital image. Oh, okay. Uh, I well, I mean, she was the the world's first living anime girl. Picking on Apollo Smile, shame <laughs> on you. Should I? Uh, I was thinking of just naming my. Uh, I I only have two honorable mentions. I can just dump in here real quick. Uh, if, you we, want, if you want to dump them quick, go ahead. We touched on it earlier. Infinity Inc. Mm-hmm. Which, in hindsight, maybe it did its run, but but yeah, I think the the crisis kind of cut it short. Um, and my other, I'll back you up on infinity Inc only because I, I read somewhere recently that one of the things I was always really frustrated with that series, as much as I enjoyed the series was that they very unceremoniously killed off Skyman just when I felt like he was becoming really cool. Mm. And apparently Roy Thomas had more plans with that character that because the series got canceled, never, never came about. So if that series had continued, Skyman probably would have come back. So yeah, I, I got uh, your back on that. So yeah. And the I, other I honorable, had... the other honorable mention is a little weird because it did continue, but I don't like the way it continued. And that is Marvel Star Wars. Yeah, it kind of had petered out, but you know, but then they relaunched it, and I didn't really care for the relaunch. So it's kind of like, yeah, all right. Well, I would have maybe written this, you know, because I, from what I remember reading of the relaunch, which I stopped buying it completely, this that they didn't really hold to a lot of the original um, Marvel, you know, continuity from from the old books. At least I didn't see it. Maybe it did later. I don't know. Are you talking like when it? When so you're re-launched- talking the original series from the from the 70s well, and 80s, and then yes. when they when they brought it back after Marvel, yeah, the when they brought it back in what was that 2015, whatever, yeah, yeah 15, I it, think, yeah, it had, it, it, yeah, they the only time it had any connection to the original series was when they were poking fun at it because they yeah they when they had Jackson on the cover, Jackson on the cover just to. To try to illustrate the fact that that this isn't that stupid old Star Wars with the with the green rabbit, which all it did was piss the fan base off, and you know then those people that were buying that series, hoping for a taste of the old series, then they just stopped collecting it, so but, or buying but, it. So, but then yeah. they came back with a balance the hunter book, and it's like he's dead. Yeah, exactly. He died in a lava pit. He got better. <laughs> it's just a flesh wound. Yep, that's my honorable mentions as well. Well, it's funny that you ended at that one because my number one is probably not going to come as any surprise whatsoever to anybody that knows me at all and has heard me talk and podcast all these years. My number one of the series that I wish had gone longer 
is Marvel Star Wars, the original <laughs> Marvel Star Wars. Um, now, the series ran 107 issues, had three annuals and a four-issue mini, so it had a good life. But you talk about friggin' devastated when they ended a book because you have to remember this was... There was September no other Star Wars. Of 1986. Um, at that time, you know, no internet. I wasn't buying any fanzines. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my finger on the pulse or anything. I was just buying shit off the newsstand. And so when I walked into the local tobacconist, which is where I used to buy my comics, and I see issue 107 of Star Wars is out, and it says on the cover, last issue. I was devastated and I don't think in a lot of ways I've ever recovered as, as a star Wars fan, because to me, despite everything that's come after that in so many ways, that was the end of star Wars for me because the Marvel star Wars series right along with the original three films, that was star Wars to me. And so when it ended, um, yeah, I mean, there was a whole grieving process that went on there. See, even when Star Wars started to come back in the 90s and everything, I've just never felt the same way about it again because what I really wanted was this series to just keep going. Um, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, that you thought it kind of petered out. And, and you know, there's, there's, you know, fans agree and disagree about that because I know that. Well, that's Scott more in Reisman hindsight. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I at the time I I was with you, but you know, re reading it through again, it's kind of like eh, I didn't really like those those goofy aliens they had at the end. It's yeah. very odd the last five or so issues. It, it is, but there, there there's kind of a reason for that, and I'll, I'll take back slightly what I said about not having my finger on the pulse. I mean, I didn't, but. By that point, I had actually attended cons that, um, what's her name, um, the writer, um, Joe Duffy, yeah. and the, the penciler at the time, who was Cynthia Martin, that they had, they were both at the, the cons, and they both talked about, without coming right out and saying it, they both talked about how frustrating it was to operate within the mandates of Lucasfilm after Return of the Jedi. So there were a lot of things they just weren't allowed to do. And every time they tried to work around those things and go in a new direction, they were very quickly told, oh, you can't do that either. Oh, you can't do that either. Oh, you can't use that. And then eventually it got so bad that Lucasfilm was actually dictating to them about characters that they had created like... <laughs> Um, Han's friend Bay, they created mm -hmm. that character. Yet Lucasfilm was telling them how they could and could not use that character, and that's when Joe Duffy said that she finally just read the writing on the wall and threw the threw in the towel. And that's ultimately what doomed the series was when she finally got fed up and just couldn't, you know, felt like she couldn't work within those confines anymore. That's what ultimately doomed the book. And I know that she's always felt very guilty about that. Um, but at the same rate, I mean, I don't hold it against her or anything. I mean, it, that would be very frustrating and, you know, because what exactly do you do? You know, it would, it's already hard enough to write the continuing adventures of star Wars. Once 
the Empire's defeated and, and Darth Vader and the Emperor are dead. I mean, we've seen that, you know, with, with the subsequent things that, you know, have come out theatrically that they don't really have any good ideas other than fighting the remnants of the Empire and the Empire's trying to rise again type of thing. So, you know, you've already got that to contend with. But she was doing an, you know, a, an admirable job with trying to create new threats and and new things and that sort of thing but unfortunately you know just kept running into roadblocks ultimately my my frustration was that you know yeah i didn't want the ride to end but it was also the way it ended because they very quickly and very clumsily in one issue tried to wrap everything up and give you a Ewok celebration ending, you know, akin to the end of return of the Jedi that just didn't quite work. And so it, you, you are left with, with just a a very bittersweet sadness that damn, that's it, that it's all over. And, you know, years later, I would learn that, um, when Dark Horse got a hold of Star Wars and relaunched Star Wars um, in the mid-90s, one of the first things that they did was the um, um, Dark Empire series, which I'll be honest, I've never been the biggest fan of. But that began as a Marvel project during the time that Marvel owned Star Wars. So that's where the story was headed. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it could have continued. It, it could have had, you know, more life in it. It's just a shame that, you know, that the, the plug got pulled when and how it got pulled at that time. And yeah, I've just, uh, that's one I've, I've never honestly recovered from. It still breaks my heart to this day. I wish there had been more. And when wow. they finally did publish a 108th issue a few years back, man, was it a, a prime example of you just can't go home again. I mean, they God bless them, they tried, but it just rang so hollow. You know, it it was a fun experiment, but yeah, it 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 didn't work. And it, it was so sad. Well, I would have been happier with the way the comics ended than the last three movies. So. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Yep. All right, guys, I'm going to have to go, so I'm going to give you quickly my uh, my honorable mentions, and then I'll let you guys wrap it up without me. Uh, my honorable mentions are uh, Captain Marvel, which I felt like, uh, it. you know, the, the series wandered aimlessly forever, and then when Jim Starlin kind of showed them, hey, this is how to do the book, uh, it was too late, and the book eventually got canceled. Uh, the same is true of Marvel's run on Warlock, you know, they they didn't really know what to do with the characters. Stalin showed them, and then it went away. In a similar vein, I would go with the X-Men, who uh, the original series ran 66 issues, uh, but it wasn't until Roy Thomas came on in issue 54, uh, working with Neil Adams, and really just made things click. Uh, but by, the t- by that time, the series had gone so down in numbers that it, it ended up being canceled at issue 66. Continuing with that thought, uh, X-Men Hidden Years filled in the years in between there and when they rebooted, and they only gave Byrne 22 issues to do that. Uh, my 
final two are Iron Jaw, which was the only Barbarian series I ever really got into. Only went four issues for Atlas Comics. And then, Scott, you will appreciate that uh, uh, Logan's Run, we did the uh, the adaptation of the movie, and then we only had two issues uh, of, of ongoing story, which I would have loved to have seen more of. So that's yeah. my honorable mention list. I'm going to let you guys wrap things up. I'm going to say thank you to all the listeners, and uh, God bless. So, so you guys have your uh, honorable mentions left, right? Because, Scott, I don't think yes. you yep. Okay. Uh, Do you want me to go or you go? Yeah, go ahead. You it's go. your yeah, it's your go. I have a couple of honorable mentions. I have the uh, very recent series from Marvel, Agent Carter. I thought that was well done, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Paul stole my thunder. I also had Logan's Run from '77 because <laughs> I would have liked to have seen where that not only where that went. But I would have liked to have had some more background on how they got there. Mm. Right. Um, also, because I'm a war fan, Captain Storm, which only ran, uh, I think it was 18 issues back in the 60s. Now, there's a lot of war comics, but very few focus on the Navy. Uh, Real quick, I'm just curious. The, the Captain uh, Carter one you mentioned, is that movie continuity? Yeah. It's Peggy Carter. Oh, interesting. I think it was cool. uh, five or six issue limited series. And of course, I guess I didn't put it in my uh, CLZ app because it's not not coming up. Let me just see. Huh. Why is that not in there? Eh, it's not coming up, but it was uh, relatively recent. It's about five issues. That's all it is. Huh. Um I also enjoyed, I know it was just a movie adaption, but The Last Starfighter from 1984. It was oh, a three-issue yeah. miniseries. I love that series. I would have loved for them to have continued and seen the further adventures, what happened after the movie. And right, alas, yeah. And those are my honorable mentions. Good. Good ones. Bill? I did mine when I did my number one. That's where I had oh, all okay. Star Wars and Infinity. <laughs> That's right. You, you started this whole thing. All <laughs> right. Yeah, I've, I've got several here. Um, the first one here, again, don't laugh. This, this one, I, I wanted so badly to put this on my list, and I guess... You, you could have easily replaced just about anything else uh, that I did, you know, that did make my final list with these, because I feel just as strongly about these. Because um, I, I kind of lumped these two titles together. So this is a twofer on this one, but uh, but see, you know, go with me on this. So it's uh, Extreme Justice and Justice League Task Force. Mm. They It was at a time... Um, when so this was before the grant morrison reboot that you know that was jla when they brought like all the big guns back right. um just prior to that like the Bwahaha era justice league had had gone through its permutations and everything but it really blew up there were several justice league books it was justice league america there was justice league europe and then europe i think broke up and became several other books 
And one of them that spun out of that was Extreme Justice. And then um, Justice League Task Force was an interesting book because it was almost like a Justice League version of like Suicide Squad where the the membership would change, at least in the beginning. The, the concept of it was that it was like Black Ops Justice League missions where the membership could be different from adventure to adventure. That didn't last very long, but it was interesting in the beginning because there's a really cool poster out there. I think it's like Sal Valuto or somebody with like the Flash and Nightwing and, um, you know, different characters on it. I just, I, I enjoyed both of those books so much. And while Extreme Justice can be tough to get through artistically because the early issues especially are really not aesthetically pleasing. I liked where they were going with the stories. It was very interesting. I I liked that there was a lot of focus on um, um, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, but not in that stupid ass comedic sense. They, They were I felt like they were being taken seriously again as serious superheroes because I enjoy both those characters much better that way. I don't like them in the ass clown incarnations. Um, so there was some interesting stuff, you know, going on with all of that. And it was kind of the, the beginning seeds of um, like Hank Hall and Monarch and all that sort of thing. Um, but unfortunately both series were canceled within a month of each other in July and August of 96 to make way for the, uh, the Grant Morrison reboot. So they just kind of unceremoniously ended. Um, but it, it was interesting. It was also interesting that, uh, justice extreme justice is where Zan and Jaina, the wonder twins were brought into DC continuity for the first time. That was kind of cool too, or at, at least post crisis continuity. Ones that I'm absolutely shocked were not on Paul's list, um, both Frankenstein and supernatural thrillers from Marvel. Um, they also ended within one month of each other. Um, I was not actively collecting either. I bought them both, you know, in the, in the secondary market, you know, years later and everything, but I'm a huge fan of both of those series. You know, Frankenstein, of course, was, you know, the Frankenstein monster, brought to modern day by the end of the series and then supernatural thrillers. The last feature in there was the, um, the living mummy, um, which I always, I've been a sucker for them. Val Mayerick was the artist at the end on both of those series and just doing some, some fantastic work. And it's just such a damn shame that both of the books just kind of ended. Um, and I think both of them just kind of end on a cliffhanger or at least, un, you know, not not a sac- satisfactory like resolution to the stories. They just kind of ended. Um, and that's just a shame because they were both really cool characters that I felt like still had a lot of life in them. Um, I mentioned Starman earlier. That one's, like I said, just completely selfish because it is a self-contained story. It 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 accomplished the story that um, James Robinson set out to tell. But I just, I just, you know, I enjoy, I loved it so much. I just wanted it to keep going. Um, similar vein, um, Hawkman volume four. That's the one that's uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Now, the weird thing about that is that technically that series did continue, but it got renamed to Hawk Girl at issue 
50, I want to say, 49, 50, somewhere in there, right around the time of, I think, Infinite Crisis, I think. Infinite Crisis or whatever the hell the next event was right after that, I forget. Black I think it was Infinite Crisis. Yeah, I think it was that. And when they rebooted it, everything changed. The The artistic team changed. The writing team changed. Everything, you know, the name of the series changed. And I just, I, I lost all interest. All the magic was gone. Um, but I never thought Hawkman would be one of my favorite characters or one of my favorite titles. But that Hawkman Volume 5 by those guys is an excellent read from beginning to end. And damn, I wish it had gone on longer. Um, and then lastly, I kind of lumped these all in together with the thought of not necessarily any of these titles specifically, but just the 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 concept I, I wish had lasted longer, and that is Brave and the Bold, Marvel Team Up, and Marvel 2-in-1. Mm. They all ended within about a year and a half of each other. So Marvel Team Up, and it's funny because I didn't know the order of this until I actually looked it up. So Marvel 2-in-1 ended first, and of course that mutated into The Thing, a solo book. Um. And then Brave and the Bold ended a month later in July of 83. And Marvel Team-Up actually hung up, hung in there until February of 85. But once they ended, like those classic team-up books of the 70s were You were could throw D- DC Comics that, Presents in there, too. That, see, I, I knew somebody was going to mention that. That one did run right up until the crisis. But I don't know. I just, to me, that book never it never achieved the same status as these three team-up books, in my opinion. I mean, no, I, I feel like you're the right. early issues of that series were really good, um, and there's scattered issues in there that are pretty good. But, you know, with Brave and the Bold, Brave and the Bold's an easy one to point to because Brave and the Bold had a paro there for most of the Batman stuff, you know, the last, like, hundred issues or so. And he was like the glue, at least artistically, that really held that book together. And, of course, you had Zany Haney with a lot of the scripts on that stuff. Um, and then it, it took a more serious bent toward, you know, toward the last issues of the series, you know, the last year or two of the series. But that one was just always fun, you know, with, with Batman and pretty consistently good. Marvel team up, at least in the beginning of it, was just another Spider-Man title that was pretty tightly tied to the continuity that was already going on with Amazing and Spectacular. They kind of got away with that or away from that later on. And I feel like that was the downfall of that title is then it became disposable. It became something you didn't necessarily have to read to keep up with the ongoing Spider-Man narrative. And then I don't know Marvel two and or yeah two and one with the thing, um, I don't I didn't read that title as much as the other ones, but I don't really recall ever reading one that I didn't really dig. I, I always enjoyed them, and quite often would learn about um, new and different characters from the first you know for the first time in that title. DC Comics presents I I guess could go into that same category, but I don't know I just. I feel like that one was pretty rapidly diminishing returns and, and the really good and standout issues of that 
became fewer and further between as that as that series went on. There's a lot more throwaway and and just kind of junk issues of that series. I feel than there there are the other three. I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you, do you mean you like versus He Man? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's throw in the flavor of the month. The, the the one book that sticks out in my mind that I really did enjoy was there's a, I think there's a crossover. I think it's an annual with the two supermen together. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, right? that's one of my favorite single issues of all time. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. annuals, I think, seemed to hit it out of the park. It was the regular series that was a lot of hit and miss. Yeah. Well, I... I can't speak to the writer on DC comics presents. I can't remember if they had a consistent writer, but I know that the artist was different, like every issue. And that, that to me, just that, that never helps, you know, even if it's just a team up book, I still feel like you, you should have a, you know, a fairly consistent team because otherwise it just gives it a, a disjointed and it makes it to me, it makes it easier to pick and choose and not stick with a title when each, each individual issue feels like an individual issue. If you know what I mean, it doesn't feel connected to the whole, you know what I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. And you know what it's, I'm looking right now, the annuals are the star of the thing, except for maybe the second one, because you've got the two supermen in number one you have superman and shazam in number three and right. you've got superman and i think it's the luthors in number four definitely two one and uh three were good books number two, two was superwoman right right yeah. I, I have vague memories of what superwoman is She's Kristen Wells. She was the time traveler from the future that was introduced oh, to Miracle Monday. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Boy. Yep. And yeah, no, well, that's not to say the bold is better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, that's not to say that DC Comics Presents didn't have some good good issues even late in the run cuz they did, you know, but you know, consistently I feel like the other three series were just consistently more consistent and, and just better um, than, than DC Comics ever, you know, DC Comics Presents ever was, unfortunately. And then after the crisis, they tried to ape it in action comics, right? Every issue was a team up until, what was it, 600? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there was, oh, well, do you mean when it, no wait i'm thinking of when it went weekly oh weekly before, that's yeah that's when it went weekly. right yeah oh, it's right okay. before it goes weekly yeah but yeah you're right after the after the crisis when action comics came back it was it, it i don't think they ever bannered it as like a team-up book but it, that's what it was because it was i think the teen titans was the yep. first one, right They're the first yes yeah some of those are really good. Some of some of them are kind of kind of feel like the team up of the month, but most of them are pretty darn good. Sleaze with Big Barda. I think again, you know, that's a good example though of you know, those books were all interconnected. So mm-hmm. even action being the team up book, 
you still felt like you had to get that because it was still interconnected with the ongoing narrative. And I think by that point, that, well, I don't know. I was going to say by that point, that might have been the secret of success. But then again, you know, Brave and the Bold kind of puts the lie to that because Brave and the Bold was never connected, you know? And that one, that one's still, in my opinion, that's still the best team up book there, there ever was, was Brave and the Bold. And Brave and the Bold defies all logic because it wasn't interconnected in the, in the continuity. And quite often it was just wacky as hell because it was, you know, Bob Haney just doing whatever the hell he wanted to, regardless of the continuity. So yeah, I, I'm not sure what the, what the secret of success is with that one, but but there was know, a I part still... of you that just wanted to see that, and we said this yeah. before. I think Batman and Sergeant Rock, Batman and the Unknown Soldier. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. That's another one that uh, that we could that'd be a fun top five to do sometime. Is uh, you know the top five uh, Brave and the Bold team ups that we never got because there's there's an awful lot of characters he teamed up with in brave and the bull but man is there a lot of them that he never did and it's kind of funny that there's certain ones he never did because a lot of times he was teaming up with characters in brave and the bold that no longer even had a title Mm. like by the time he teamed up with scalp hunter i think scalp hunter was was either out of production or was about to be canceled. One of the two, like, like it was like, you know, last legs kind of thing. At the same time, he never teamed up with like Captain Marvel. There was never a, a brave in the bold with Batman and Captain Marvel or never one with, uh, Oh, there was some other characters I was thinking about the other day that were or a lot, like a lot of the, the characters that, um, might've used a bump you know, like say like uh Arion or Arak or um Warlord or you know, just there's there's a lot of characters he never he never did team up with. Yeah, and I can't imagine it was editorial going, Oh no, we don't want him in that book. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but it, it would have been it would have been really fun to see how Haney, you know, if it was still Haney by that point would have, would have pulled off some of those team ups where, you know, the worlds were so different in the genres, you know, because again, he wasn't one to necessarily jump through a lot of hoops. Sometimes for him, it was as simple as, Oh, Batman needs to time travel. Okay. We'll have him fall asleep in an armchair. And right. he, he dreams <laughs> himself back in time. I mean, him and John Carter together. Yeah, that would be yeah, oh hell yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a, there's a bunch they could have done. What is it? Is well, it the, is it the absolute crisis where the second volume has like all these stories listed as different Earths? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well. Hopefully we've done uh, episode 600 uh, justice on this one. I think we've wow. run long enough. So. It'll be a long one. <laughs> yep. But a fun. All right, fellas. Well, I just Here's like to thank. Those. Yeah, thank every, thank all of you. Thank Paul, uh, and and thank all the people that still listen, and they care. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Good night. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.